I'm Phil Reed from Steve Jackson Games, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about the Dungeons & Dragons Creator Summit. In the news, the one d d playtest leaks early, Hasbro has its quarterly earnings call, the D&D movie opening weekend box office is in, two new Pathfinder video games on the way, and more, plus a brand new sketch about why it's a bad idea to rush your rogue. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by Branderstock's Polearm Emporium. You can find Branderstock's in Upper Ramsbottom Street in the town of Thornistons, just past Mrs. Cockle's Codpiece Boutique. Branderstock's Polearm Emporium sells a wide range of halberds, glaives, and bohemian ear spoons. Ear spoons? That's not a real thing, is it? Ridiculous. What is this nonsense, anyway? I can't believe I'm reduced to flogging this low-class commoner tat to pay my rent. Anyway, go to Branderstocks for pointy sticks. All the tabletop roleplay news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka. Hey Ross, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is a delight to be here. And here with us today on this delightfully sunny Bank Holiday Friday, it's herself, it's her own rare sunshine, it's the one, it's the only, it's... It's me, Jessica from EN Publishing, here in body, if not mind. Yes. <laughs> I'm a little bit tired at the time of recording because I stayed up quite late. Uh, for fun reasons, though, because yesterday was the premiere episode of the To Save a Kingdom actual play campaign that we launched. And also the Kickstarter campaign for To Save a Kingdom launched on Tuesday, so it's been a week. Yeah. Um, and it's doing all right. It's doing well. It's doing well. Yeah. The, the 36,000 so far. Mm-hmm. And the actual play was really good fun. So, yeah, they're playing through the adventure path. From the Kickstarter, obviously, uh, <laughs> if that was unclear to anybody. But yeah, but it was at 7pm Eastern time for our American friends who like to live in America and that time zone. But that's a different time zone to in the UK because that's how time zones work. But yeah, so I was up quite wow. late. And I also, I actually got told off by one of our Kickstarter backers for being up so late. Because I was moderating the chat and I noticed we had a question from a backer on the Kickstarter page. So I answered it. And they said, thank you for answering, but can you go to bed now, please? And I was like, oh, uh, okay. It, it was your mum. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was not my mother. But yeah, but I just thought it was quite funny. I was like, it's first time in customer service that a person has cared about my well-being, which is very nice. Lovely. Nice. Lovely. So we have nice backers. Thank you very much. I do like the advanced petition crowd. They're mm-hmm. generally quite a... I think, I think maybe it's because they're like, I'm going to say, a bit more mature. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice way to put it. And they appreciate the importance of getting to bed at a decent time of night. I think it's something when you have, when you have a smaller audience, they tend to be nice. It's when it gets really big, yeah. like sort of something like Wizard of the Coast has got with like millions of people, that's when you start. I think you know. it's when the organization's big as well. Cause I think when you're a small RPG company, like they mm. know who we are. They know EM mm. Publishing. If they're speaking to one of us, they know on the Kickstarter, it's going to be me, Russell Zinn. 
Yeah, as and a they person. can pop onto a message board yeah. or a, or Discord or whatever and talk, it's, and one of us will actually. It's a person. Yeah. Whereas at D- Wizards of the Coast, you send a message to their customer service. They probably have a team of customer service people, so it feels a bit mm. more anonymous. So, mm. yeah. We anyway. have a team of customer service people. Me and Zin. <laughs> <laughs> <It's a> team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Zin doing the brunt of that that legwork. Yeah. yeah, available to talk to at the UK Games Expo. Should we do some news anyway? Yeah. Um, so the big big news this week was probably the big D and D Creator Summit. Mm-hmm. But let's leave that Ooh. as our main topic of the week for later in the show, and we'll do the other news first, and then we'll we'll dive into that in a little yes. more detail. Because okay. you because you went to it, Russ, so you know you can tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Yes. I did go to it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, cool. It was a place yeah. that I have been. <laughs> well, no, it's just that there were technical issues, but it was fine. Anyway, yeah. we'll talk about it later. That we'll talk about it. So, 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 Unearthed Arcana. Should we talk about Unearthed Arcana and one D&D? Mm. Yes. Because some stuff has been leaking oh, out. Yeah. Have they bought a new one? Oh, no. Some stuff has been leaking yeah. out. Leaking out of an what? Coming one. Um, so the upcoming one features a weapons table. You've seen a weapons table okay. before. You've seen a D and D five E weapons table before. You know what it looks like. I can't well, remember, but bit. I'm sure oh. I do know. But yeah. Well, this has an extra bit. Oh. This has an extra column which has mastery traits. Now these traits are apparently mm. only accessible by like the warrior classes. And yep. they have like uh, uh if you if you have mastery with that weapon, yeah, which I assume is something beyond proficiency. I guess I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you have mastery with that weapon, you get access to that trait. For example, it might be slow or nick or puncture or cleave or sap or graze or push or something. Okay. So it basically has a, a, oh, a, a if you if you if you master that weapon, you get an extra thing you can do in combat based on the weapon itself. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is kind of cool. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I like the idea hmm. of that. I guess, I think people have said before that they wanted the melee classes to be... I'll see how firmly it's nailed down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they want to see how the, the melee class have something cool that's their own thing. So yeah. maybe this well, is here's... their attempt to push it oh. that way. Oh, here we go. Here's the list of traits. So it's Nick, which is an offhand attack without a bonus action of some kind. A slow, mm. that seems okay. to be fairly obvious. Puncher gives you advantage on your next attack. Uh, flex is versatile damage in one hand. Mm. Um, cleave is area damage. Topple is a trip. Basically. Yeah, that's that's something that's been uh, Graze is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Graze is damage on a miss mm. and push. I guess pushes them back five feet or something. I guess it's a shove. Yeah, yeah. That would okay. make sense. But that's part of the mm. attack with the weapon. Yeah. <laughs> So it's sort of like distributing yeah, the battle yeah. master manoeuvres, but without the D8 and so forth, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see. Hmm. Well, it's nice that they're doing something for martial Yeah, but I like I like that it's linking them to the weapons because mm. I like that it makes the weapons different. Because one of the things yeah. about 5e was always that the weapons were a bit samey. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, which we try to address in Level Up, and they're mm. addressing it here in a different way. So it's mm. it's not a character ability, it's a, it's a weapon ability. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I th- like you say, I think it's good that they're trying to make the melee class more interesting because sometimes it just feels a bit like, oh, I and then I stab it. Mm. Cool. I know, of course, you can narrate mm. that in a cool way. You can be like, I jump up and I do, you know, but 
Yeah. Then you get the spellcaster being like, which magic spell should I take out of my bag of many tricks? And you're like, oh, that looks like a fun bag of tricks to have. (laughs) And also, like, when you play from, like, I don't know, level 3 to 12, you start running out of ways to describe attacks. Yes. Yeah. That's a real problem. It is a thing. I'm quite inventive, quite into it, but I gotta say, after about a year, I was struggling. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you know, it's a fairly common trope that people do in games when someone kills someone. Oh yeah, yeah. GM will say, describe, how, describe how you do it. It's fairly how common. Do you do it? But you know, oh, well, often, that, often Mercer is famous for popularizing it. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, it's yeah, it's been a common thing for years. Oh, but course, um, yeah. one of the things with that is, I personally find after several combats, I've run out of ways to describe it. Mm. So, you know, that sort of thing is, is, it can be quite hard to do, especially off the cuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't well, think improv is my, my biggest skill anyway. I think that's why the combat maneuvers are really good because they give you those extra choices. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with I think that, I mean, I like what they've got. Mm-hmm. I'd probably use it as a, like a leaping off point to do mm-hmm. my own homebrew to add some extra stuff to level up because I've been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And it might be a bit of a nudge to get me going. But, I mean, we've already got the basic combat manoeuvres, which are just everyone can do it. So, but having... And I don't... I'm just a bit... I'm just a bit torn, because the problem that D&D has, that's all forms of D&D, is there is this sort of innate tension of genre, which is the fantasy is all about the power comes from within you, because you're born that way, or you're, you're a special, special snowflake. And that makes you better. And science fiction is all about having the cool kit, which makes you, and learning things, which anyone can do, which makes you better. And like third edition, as I understood it, had to have both of those in. But fifth edition is saying, well, you don't need the magic items, but you sort of like everyone wants the magic items. It's, uh, but mm. of course in the second edition, like people just had some abilities, but it was mostly picking up cool magic stuff that made you amazing, which I quite like, to be honest. No, sorry. That's just me rambling. Please yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've got some more D&D news. So, oh, yeah, you know, you can now get from Amazon mm-hmm. digital codes for D&D Beyond. Discuss. So if you wanted to get the digital, the player's handbook from D&D Beyond, right. obviously you can go to D&D Beyond and buy it. Okay, yes. Now... You can buy it from Amazon, and it will give you a code to unlock the digital book at D&D Beyond. Oh, that's that's kind of good in a way, because I think we talked about it before. It would be good if, when you buy it from different places, you could also get access. So. Yeah. Well, they've got a, cu- a couple of them. They've got uh, Keys in the Golden Vault there. They've got the DMG. They've got Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse and Tasha on there. And they've got the Player's Handbook there as well. That's. I think it's interesting that they're making waves to try and make it more... Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm Amazon's biggest fan in general, but no. like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but just like, but, but, but I mean, yeah, I'm but sure it's a big catch... sales platform yeah. for them. Yeah, so. that's just going to catch people who are just browsing for D&D on Amazon. Mm-hmm. They'll stumble across this and that will funnel them through to D&D Beyond. Yeah. So yeah, it is a good idea, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's also good for things like wish lists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where you say, yeah. I want this, and then rather than inflicting it upon, say, one's hapless parent, to mm-hmm. try and work out yes. <laughs> exactly what is it I'm supposed to be buying. I, yeah. I mean, that's, that's in many ways. Well, I mean, that's the reason I had, that I got given, why Games Workshop changed their name to Warhammer, because mm. people were looking for the Warhammer store. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, 
Yeah, well, it's a Warhammer store. That is the right place. <laughs> yeah. All about removing barriers to entry. Anyway, sorry. Yes. There, there is um, a little bit of controversy this <sighs> week, which turned out not to be controversy. It was not but controversy. Just in case some is people that news, heard, then? Well, I think some people might have heard the bit that was the controversy and not heard the bit that said it wasn't the controversy. Okay. So they might still be labouring under the belief that the controversy... I'm going to stop saying it like that. That's getting Thank annoying. Yeah, that's... that's annoying even me. Yes. <laughs> Chris Perkins said... Yes? I think it was Chris Perkins, over at Wizard of the Coast, basically said that there are not going to be half-elves or half-orcs in 1D&D. I have As a species yeah. option. Um, they said it was a, it's a, a thing that they haven't been comfortable with for some years just because of the loaded terminology that goes with it. Now, of course, the result of that was that people came back and said, what you're saying that people have mixed parentage is somehow problematic. Yeah, because that sounds like that's... Yeah, it, it does kind of slightly sound like that's what they're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's where the con- controversy came from. So basically, there's like, people with mixed parentage were saying, what, are you saying that I am... Problematic Invalid. by my very by by my, by my very existence because you know <laughs> I'm 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 half Japanese and half um uh, half um whatever yeah whatever whatever oh, their half their, Nigerian whatever their, half whatever their heritage half was that's cool yeah. yeah things but yeah so of course what that was only half of the story though so what that was mainly about was just about the concept of just like the terminology half this mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and they were sort of saying that if you say you're See, this is this is kind of like a, a terminology thing that I don't feel 100% qualified to yeah. talk on, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to report the news as it happened. Right. So, so so basically, what what is in the previous playtest and what is apparently going to be in 1D&D is mm-hmm. still a general rule for um, mixing the traits in some manner of two different species yeah. to represent different parents. Well, well that, that wasn't what they did in the playtest. The thing that they did in the playtest which rightly annoyed people mm-hmm. was they said, if you have parents from two different species, yeah. they didn't use the word species. I'm using the word species, but that's what they're at. Um, then you choose the mechanics from one species and then you can describe your appearance however you wish. Yeah, right. But the big problem with that is that invites the question, what are you really? Mm. Which is not a question. That you are, yeah, people, um, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's not okay to do that because well, it's like, yeah, it's, well, I'm well, a that person. Was, that was, that was just, quite a while oh, back, dude, and I, yeah. I, I, I suspect that is getting changed. Yeah. yeah, but I think the general thing is, well, the the, the basic thing is the specific half orc and half elf entries well, yeah. in the player's handbook will be going away, and I think orc is coming in instead, but. Yeah. There will be a way to have parents of different heritages, which to as a blanket rule, as opposed to just those two specific examples. Yeah. So you could you could have parents of any two heritages. Like you have a yeah. half dwarf, half elf. Yeah, basically okay. like yeah. what we've done in um, Level Up. We've done yeah. that, haven't we? So yes, yes. Because you so often get adventuring parties with just a range of different heritages because everyone wants to play cool mm. stuff. Mm. And how many TTRPG campaigns have some romance in where you know that one day they're going to settle down? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it gets a bit Xanthian, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what we did in Level Up was you could choose the traits of one heritage 
and, and you can trade the gift of another. So I wonder if wizards will end up doing something like that. So you could you could mix and match. Yeah, yeah. it is a good way to do it. Yeah, but yeah, so that that was the uh, the controversy which kind of happened this week and then kind of turned out to be not quite what they meant. Yeah, when they said that, um, I think I think they just kind of slightly kind of misspoke when they said it. I think so. I think well, I think wizards has got. Has done some stuff that's upset a lot of people with the way they've mm. approached yeah. you know, heritage in the game, yeah. and so I think mm. it's quite a charged conversation. And I think yeah. perhaps they have the intention of trying to do that right, mm. but they keep stumbling. <laughs> and like, I think this was another thing as well. And I think the issue is you have to be so careful when you come from a place when you said, you know, when you've upset people with stuff, yeah. And then you're even when you're trying to make it right, you've got to be so careful about the way you say it because it's such a charged conversation, um, yeah. especially. In the US as well, because I know, because yeah. being in the UK, obviously there are issues over here. Not not saying that, but I th- I, th- I think it's a different tone of conversation in the UK than it is in the yeah. US as well, just because of cultural context. But yeah, I think they just maybe need to be a little bit more careful when they're discussing these things yeah. and have a little bit yeah. of a think about I mean, how I think could someone of... perceive what I'm saying, even yeah. though that's not what I intend. I think what kind yeah. of happens is because because they have made some missteps. Mm-hmm. In the last months, well, in the last years, but the last months especially, um, which we all remember, yeah. it's kind of like they don't necessarily immediately get the benefit of the doubt now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of how that that works. Um, it's kind of got to be kind of earned back, hasn't it, I think? Oh, yes. But yeah, so that's that anyway. They have to that, show that, that, that they're willing to try and do better. I yeah. mean, I suspect that probably... What he was driving out with feeling uncomfortable about it was the uh, law surrounding it which is that half-orcs and half-elves can only be produced um, through a rape, which... Oh, wow. Like, wow. That's like... I, I, I mean, that's, that's Dragonlance. Tannis half-elven. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, so Tannis half-elven, yeah. that is exactly his yeah. backstory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And we, but we didn't include that with... in our Dragonlance campaign. No, <laughs> no, no yeah. because it's certainly a thing that... Yeah. Hey, for like, me, it's just a line. I, I'm like... I don't want to explore that in a game because no. I yeah. just I'm not interested in having that in my game. Like, I, 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 I I'd mean, like to run around and kill some dragons, please. Like, can we do uh, that? That's the yeah. vibe I want for this game. One one hundred percent. Like, I mean, it's like there are. It's maybe not the like there, there there are like problems with the ideas of like projecting human heritages onto fantasy heritages. Yeah, but you know, I think the generally accepted policy at this time is people are like sort of okay well these are sort of represent me and I, like well, tieflings represent queer players and orcs mm. oh sometimes used to represent black players it's like oh, I, oh god so like allowing people to mix and match and having no inherent evil having that as part of the thing is it's better like you know i i as i said I, i'm not like a, i i don't really like a lot of it done that way but that's how it's that's how it's being done by the people who aren't maybe thinking through everything and that's that's fair enough like you know it's a game enjoy yourself so i'm glad that they are moving away from that and hopefully they will have something where people can say okay yeah this is me and i really like that so yeah good for them glad they're glad they're catching up with advanced fifth edition (laughs) um so i've got some dollar related news numbers and Figures and profits on the D&D front. Oh, goodness. 
Yes. Oh, small. So I have got two things. I have got the D&D Honor Among Thieves um, opening weekend box office. Oh, yeah. And we also have Wizards of the Coast shareholder earnings call for quarter four 2022. Okay. So which of those would you like to do first? Mm, let's do the quarter quarter four, did you say? Uh, quarter four 2022, yeah. Okay, yeah. So How's that... How are they doing? That would have been just before the OGL thing? Yeah. Yes. Or um, the OGL thing the, would have been on the tail end of it. The, the, the school duggery was happening before Christmas, and then it was yeah. in the, January that mm. everything went sideways. The yeah. PR nightmare did not begin till January for yeah. them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I so, don't know if it was a nightmare. More of a trash fire. But anyway. yeah. Sorry. So saying. D&D Beyond was acquired by Wizards in May 2022 last year. And they have said that they have had a 20% growth in users since then. Yeah. Nice. Which is quite significant. That's that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, Wizards itself grew 5%. Yep. Wow. And the game, well, and that was in a games market, which is kind of trending kind of flat Mm. overall. So, you know. I I, I mean, it's had a really good couple of years. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, Trending flat just is maintenance, which is actually quite good rather than a yeah. dip. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting how that's divided in that tabletop game revenue grew 12%. Now, mm. for Wizards, mm. obviously, that's D&D and Magic and yeah, stuff yeah. like Yeah, so it's not just D&D. Um, but digital declined by 23%. But I think mm. we've mentioned before that is partly because of uh, there was a big D&D Dark Alliance thing yeah. which was launched in 2021, which obviously... Yeah. A similar thing didn't happen in 2022. So that's, so that's kind of why that. Yeah, it's not a new product. So yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and there is Magic the Gathering, the uh, arena thing, which is a mobile mm-hmm. platform for Magic the Gathering, which yeah. is in 2021. So that's why that declined. So I don't think that really says yeah. much other than the fact that they weren't releasing big things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you know, everything's going well. But they did talk a little bit about the OGL thing. It did come up in conversation. Mm-hmm. So, Jason Haas, um, from, uh, the Bank of America, uh, Merrill Lynch, an analyst from, from there, mm-hmm. um, asked, brought up the sort of misfiring on the proposed OGL changes and asked <laughs> whether there was any sort of financial impact to that in the first quarter of this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and whether there'd be anything to look out for in the first quarter of this year when that, when those, when those figures come in. And Chris Cox, who's the, uh, CEO of, um, of, uh, Hasbro now, I think, isn't he? Fully Hasbro, yeah. It used to be Wizards, now Hasbro as a whole. Replied, uh, so he said, uh, yeah, I mean, we had some subscription cancellations, but they were comparatively minor in the totality of both the D&D and Wizards um, P&L, Profit and Loss, I think that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, of course, we take anything like that seriously, and we're in contact with those who cancelled. And in general, what we're finding is a lot of them are open to restarting their subscriptions. So that's yeah. kind of what they're saying about that. So it, it seems like it didn't particularly impact them in well, the finances. They said at the time, we didn't do it because we lost loads of money on D&D Beyond. Mm. They yeah. lost 50,000 subscribers, and I can't imagine that they wanted it to get worse. 50,000? I'm, I'm just reporting what from? they said. So I remember it being. Uh, it was at least, what was it, four digits more? I don't think they've ever said that. Okay. Uh, Pretty sure they haven't said that. I don't know okay. where that came from. Uh, well, I mean, how many do you think it was then? I have no idea. I no. have absolutely no well, idea. Well, you could get an idea from the people that signed the petition on, you know, at the time, mm. but then you don't know how mm. many of them had active 
accounts or not because like i signed yeah. the petition but i didn't i did not have and still do not have a, a dnd beyond paid account yeah. no yeah because I, yeah. I only had like two yeah. characters and I, don't have, I don't have a subscription either so no yes yeah. i had a subscription mm. no i do not yeah although someone told have, me i won't say wait, who but have, it's a friend friend of the show mm-hmm. told me yeah. that they cancelled their subscription mm-hmm. three months ago mm. and only just got the confirmation through now <laughs> it <laughs> took backlog. three months and there, because it was some kind of manual process that it was done via, rather than just an automatic press a button and it's cancelled thing. That's so weird. Mm. I'm not sure, but but yeah, yeah. Well, speaking, is quite speaking a to you, Peter, Wizards have said that they're in contact with people who have cancelled. Have have Wizards contacted you about your subscription? No. Oh, just the important people then. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> that Peter Coffee could stay out. <laughs> Probably for the best. Okay. Okay. Do you want some so, other Dungeons and or Dragons news that's not well, related? Yeah, oh, are you bit, still going on the numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other oh, thing was okay, the cool. um, opening weekend of Honor Among Thieves. That is what I was going to talk about. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, well, go on then. You talk about it, Jess. Uh, I haven't got a huge amount to say beyond. We saw it last We saw it last week. We did see it last um, week. We did the whole podcast twice. about it so you can catch up and listen to it, our Ooh. ramblings and thoughts on it. Um, but the opening weekend, it brought in 33 million US dollars in the domestic american box office mm. and 38.5 million in the international box mm. office so we would be including that international um box yeah. office um specifically 4.3 million in the uk which is specifically where we are from yes so about what 71 million all told in, in that region yeah yeah, yeah if that's not, how much works yeah sure. i mean I it's mean, good I, these I'm numbers always that. don't really yeah. sort of like I don't really know whether that's good or not. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's kind of compared to how much it cost to make and what the marketing budget was and whether or not it made a profit. So I don't really know. What I have heard is it cost 150 to make, 150 million to make, apparently was the budget. And generally speaking, the marketing budget is usually that again. So to break even, a film has to make twice its budget. Is, is kind of the sort of common wisdom that I kind of hear in podcasts. and right. I don't know how true that is, but that would suggest... Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's all about 25%. Yeah, well, I suggest like, it needs to make 300 million to break even. I don't know how true yeah. that is. And if it's so about... Much, yeah. There's so much money. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. I, I just, my mind is like, I can't... Just dealing yeah. with that scale of numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will um, make the quarterly business reports more difficult. Yeah. Yes, we don't deal with that sort of money in our quarterly business. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it'd be uh, nice, but you know, not yeah. Maybe one day, Jess. Maybe one. All day. right, maybe one day. Anyway, um, cool. But apparently, they're like they got the number one spot in the box office from those numbers. Yeah, beat John Wick. Yeah, which is surprising. Oh, yes. mm. Well, John Wick four, to be fair. Yeah, but it's got Keanu Reeves. John Wick in four, it. yeah. It does have Keanu Reeves in that. I know. So, who would like a life-sized owlbear cub? When you say life-size, eleven-inch tall. Made of foam. Oh, okay. It's a cub, not a full-grown owlbear. Do they make full? It's an owlbear doll. Do they make? Do they make? Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, replica of an owlbear cub. No, no, this one's real. (laughs) To be specific, an owlbear is for life, not for Christmas. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) that's the concern. Well, you can have one if you're willing to part with 129 American dollars. Uh, I'm not actually. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Then you can't have one, Jessica. All right, fair enough. You may not have an Albert Cup. It's it's out of my budget for now. I've spent my mm. gaming budget for this month, so I've, mm. I've bought stuff. But for things. those who do want one, it's coming out quarter one, twenty twenty four, and there's a pre order price now. So it's a year away. 
but there's a pre-order price already, 129.99. So you can get yourself an Albert Cup. That's quite cute. Nice. Hmm. Yeah. So what else we got in the news? Oh, I've got. Oh, it's tangentially related. Mm-hmm. We'll have a tangent. Um, are, are you familiar with Monster Energy drinks? <laughs> yeah, I just saw that link. I, yes, I am. I saw I've that. Heard of them? I've never had one. I. It's not. It's not an experience. I. I mean, I find them useful, but possibly not enjoyable. Um, they provide a lot of caffeine and/or sugar, as you mm. require. They have Monster Energy drinks have been going around what I believe is commonly described as trademark trolling, and they're basically trying oh, to stop people. Yeah. yeah, trying to stop people using <laughs> Monster. Now they haven't come after the TTRPG world, which is sensible because mm. TTRPGs have shown themselves to be the rabid honey badgers of uh, you know leave, leave, leave us alone, let us make our games, and don't come for us, or we will get very yeah. angry at you. Mm. Uh, but they went after indie developer Glowstick Entertainment for making a game called Dark Deception Monsters and Mortals. Mm. And they're like, oh, that's very confusing. You're, you're saying yeah. that's not an energy drink, that digital game? Yeah. I was I was trying to put it in my glass. Like, why isn't it for it? Yeah, I sometimes find that because, you know, it, it occasionally happens. Yeah. Someone will go, will go and start doing something like that. And it never works well in their favour. No. Does no. it? The internet never reacts well to it. It's like, yes, people do have to protect trademarks, but yeah. that is not a case of somebody doing that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is not someone trying to infringe on their trademark. Yeah. Or- if someone made another energy drink and put the word monster in it, they'd have a... Yeah. They'd have they'd have a case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they'd have an argument. But... If it's- I mean, Glowstick no. Entertainment's logo is green on black, mm. and monster cans are sometimes green on black. And therefore, it's like, I can't even get to the end of the yeah. sentence. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, monsters do not own green or black. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so it's like, yeah, it, it, it's just the sort of thing that I thought might be amusing for the people of the TTRPG world due to the sheer volume of things which use the word monster in. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely wild. Mm. Absolutely wild. Uh, they've been doing a live stream to raise funds for the legal fight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, whether it reaches court, uh, seems very unlikely. Mm. But certainly if you get a cease and desist letter from Monster because your product has Monster in the name, mm. we would love to hear about it. Mm. Uh, cause, you know, that's, uh, some wild, wild accusations on their mm. part. Just completely bad. It's, I think it, what's it, getting on for 20 years since Games Workshop tried to claim that Space Marine was their exclusive copyright, and they sued Spots the Space Marine. I don't think for it was it. that long ago. No, I, I, I think I think I read about. I was reading Spots the Space Marine because it was released as a sort of a fan fiction thing. Mm. And it's just like they were they were like a Space Marine the same way, like a Colonial Marine essentially. But yeah, and then and Games Workshop got told where to go, and rightly so. No, sorry, um, sorry, I digress. It's so sunny outside, it's uh, distracting me. Okay, so it was about... The article was about the Dungeons Dragons movie and the character yeah. of Zenk, played by Reggae Jean Page. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, originally, that character wasn't Zenk. That character was originally Drizdo Erden. Oh. Who are they for context? Because I feel like everyone knows. Oh, uh, Drizdo Erden is uh, R.A. Salvatore's original creation. The iconic Dark is- Elf. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. For, like, okay, every okay, time you have dark elf with a pair of like sabers mm. and like a big panther kicking around, it's like yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. That's, I'm on board. That's support, that's crystal earth or someone's imitation of them. Yeah, got so, it. So anyway, that was the original plan. Um, mm. So I assume presumably still paid by Regage on page. I guess I don't know for sure. But mm. um, yeah, the original plan was that was going to be Drizzt Wurden. But then huh. there was some sort of controversy involving the character. I don't specify which or no. what that controversy was. Um, right. And they said they didn't want to be in the middle of that controversy, so should they t- drizzed out of the movie. But they kind of fallen in love with the idea with that character, so they refined it and t- and came up with Zenk mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. Also, that large mm-hmm. city in the Underdark was supposed to have a bigger part in it and was going to be Menzo Branson. Oh, the, the, the Dark Elf Underground yeah, its own city. That what, where the intellect devourer bit was. And, and that, wow. But, yeah. Okay. I mean, sounds like they dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. Well, they. Yeah, they changed their minds. Like, I don't know what I don't know what the controversy was. They're they're, they're talking about that. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Maybe they read one? some of the third edition Dark Elf books or something. Um, who can say? I don't right. know. Yeah. But okay. but anyway, um, yeah, that was just a it's just a little bit of trivia, I guess. But it's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder how that would have. Yeah, that would have been really interesting if Drizzt had actually been in that film. Because you can sort of see him doing the same sort of thing. Because uh, mm. spoilers, but Zenk is very competent. In that film, as Drizzt would be, <laughs> yeah. were Drizzt fulfilling that role also, and would presumably do much the same sort of thing that Zenk um, did. Not in the same way, but in the same uh, level of competence. Yeah, okay. Um, well, what can I say? It's based off 5e, so paladins are always going to be better than rangers. Just how it is. I guess um, so. Yeah. I guess so. No, I, I, I liked the Zenk character. Mm. The I like the Zenk character too, yeah. 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 But, I mean, certainly I would like to see that cast get together again because they were fun. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay, so that was a bit weird, but yeah. I have Shadowrun news. Shadow. Shadowrun news? Yes. I will sit up. So um, Catalyst Game Labs have released Whispernets, which is a new campaign book for Shadowrun Sick Worlds. Nice. Um, yeah, so it looks really cool. On the cover, there's like a, a runner that's just jumped off some like kind of mechanical thing and has dropped a load of paperwork and things so um yeah so you're playing you're part of the runner team in manhattan getting undercover information stealing paper files apparently and running around the city with them it looks like but yeah so very much just a shadow run vibe to it there and mm. it looks very cool um, Sweet. yeah it's on drive through rpg now and um yeah going to the stores for the physical ones as well yeah. so a bit of news that is not dungeons and or dragons yeah. to throw in there there's been staffing changes that have happened at a couple of uh, sort of medium large um, RPG companies. Yes. Yeah. Um, so our friend Phil Reed been on the show before. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Kickstarters. There's a lot of Kickstarters. A lot uh, of Kickstarters. Was until basically this week the CEO of Steve Jackson Games, mm. and Phil has kind of stepped down as CEO. Mm-hmm. But very much voluntarily because he wanted yeah. to, not, you know, no, nothing weird happened. But, um, a step down as CEO, remaining at the company, mm-hmm. uh, and will still be art director and still handle some of the crowdfunding stuff. And so still working yeah. for, but, um, has stepped down as CEO of the company mm-hmm. and, um, is being replaced by Meredith Placco. Mm-hmm. Um, she, is the co-founder of TurboDork, who manufacture acrylic paints for miniatures. And she also worked at NBC yeah. for a while. Uh, but yeah, so um, she she is replacing Phil Reed. Phil Reed will still work for the company. 
So that's one big staffing change that's happening. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um... And the other one is over at Chaosium. James Lauder, who you may know from being a prolific author of uh, D&D books back in the day, novels, and has worked for TSR back in the day, um, works for, or worked for, uh, Chaosium as their executive editor until recently. Uh, this week, yeah. uh, James has stepped down from his position. There's no replacement being announced yet. So they'll be, they'll basically says, I've taken the job as far as I can. I'm not retiring or anything, just heading back to the freelancer wastes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like someone who's been employed and been a freelancer in the TTRPG industry. Yeah. It's mm. a good metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've I've never been a freelancer, so but I I, I imagine it can be it can feel quite precarious at times, like wasting next job yes. coming from sort of thing. Yeah, you're just running times. around the apocalyptic wasteland trying to find a can of beans. Yeah, is a metaphor. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> and you open a tin of beans and it's already been eaten. Yeah. Anyway, but no. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, maybe maybe James prefers that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm being I'm being a bit facetious. Yeah, yeah no, freelancing is great in the way because you you get a more variety of projects mm. and you know it's different from yeah you get to work in all sorts of stuff. place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right then, okay. What else is there in news? I think I have largely run out of news apart from the D and D Creator Summit, which we'll be covering shortly. Uh, Paizo is doing things. Ooh, Paizo? Yeah. No, doesn't sound likely. Paizo they are. doing things. See <laughs> so, you now, D and D has video game licenses, stuff, and things going on. Paizo are like. We want a bit bit of that, please. And they've announced mm-hmm. a partnership with BKOM Studios, and they're going to create two Pathfinder video games. Ooh. That okay. is all the work I have. The, the work that's all the information I have at this point. Mm. Um, but they've announced a partnership, um, and they have said the upcoming titles are perfectly aligned with BKOM's vision to bring unique and meaningful games experiences on the PC and consoles. Mm. So I'm sure we'll get some news about that. As and when it's ready. But yeah, they've just, it'll probably be a while because they've just announced um, the partnership. So it's probably going to be a wee while before we see an actual physical thing. But it's interesting that Paizo are also moving in that direction. Radio. Right then. Now we probably have finished the news. It seems likely. I think so. So I have some quick, we haven't for a while talked about games that we're playing and and what we're we're doing. So I thought we could mention a little bit about uh, games we're playing and. I have some questions for recommendations for TTRPGs in a couple of boards I'm in, so I thought we could talk about it to share our collective experience and recommendations for okay. it. Okay. What do we, so first of all, I'll start with the questions. So the question is, somebody is, they do like D&D and, you know, that sort of ilk of things, but they are looking for a recommendation for an RPG that is a bit more of a low magic setting. So they mm. want to stay in fantasy, but they want something a bit more low magic. So I don't know... One of my recommendations for that would be uh, kind of Woofer Up, Warhammer Fantasy, that I'm playing at the moment. Mm-hmm. So there is magic there, but it's okay, like... The One Ring would be yeah. a good call. Mm-hmm. Or if yeah, you wanted to stick with the D&D rules, Adventures of Middle-Earth, mm-hmm. yep. um, that, would, that would be lower fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still high fantasy, I think, but lower magic, I think. Low, is, yeah, they said low yeah, magic. Yeah. They weren't saying yeah. no to fantasy. It was just yeah, they yeah, wanted yeah, a low magic. Yeah, low magic. System. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, one, yeah, the Lord of the Rings stuff would be my recommendation there, I think. Yeah, I'll go for Warhammer Fantasy, because I'm playing that mm. later today in a mere few hours. Depending upon what they want to do, I find if you custom fit Savage Worlds, that can do some okay. very exciting, very varied characters in low fantasy. Mm-hmm. But if you've got to stick with D20... There's a lot of OSR hacks, but 
if you're used to fifth edition, uh, Five Torches Deep uses that same core mechanic. Mm. Uh, I'd definitely give that a look. Okay. Oh. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's about all I think for did now. You, did you say you had another question? I do. Jessica? It's another recommendation as well for type. So, mm-hmm. they're like Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Then they're aware Call of Cthulhu rules exist, and they are also yeah. aware of Cthulhu Dark. However, mm. this person is wanting something with a bit more of a minimalist rule set to play yeah. in this sort of setting. So they so they want something that's got a narrative investigation kind of adventure. It has a possibility of fighting, but it's avoidable. You know, it's a very Cthulhu kind of theme. Like fighting's not the main thrust; mm. it's an investigation. But they want it to be a minimalist rule set. So I think this is somebody that's trying to encourage people to step away from yeah. 5e and is looking for something that's not, oh, I have to learn the new rule set. So, so basically we're talking investigative horror in a minimalist rule set. Yes. Oh, cracky. Because uh... so I immediately thought Gumshoe, but I don't think that's any more minimalist than you know, Call of Cthulhu is in the first place. So that's probably not mm-hmm. a good answer. Um, that is a hard well, one. You've got, yeah. you've got Brindlewood Bay, which is a tabletop role-playing game that combines murder she wrote with H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> Isn't that the other thing? Like, yeah, little old ladies running around doing stuff. Yeah. Love it. That's great. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that's not... So, I don't know if that's the Cthulhu, but that's, yeah. That's 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 really rules-like. That's, like, super... Mm. That's like a one-page set of rules. You can't run it like a traditional role-playing game. And... You have to be prepared to abandon the concept of having a structured story in the sense that you don't know who did the murder hmm. <laughs> or did the mystery before you start playing. You have to find out and it's like the context clues and then there's a role to see who did it. But yeah, hmm. that does fit the bill. I just don't know if it's like quite what they're looking for. It might be a bit too much of a leap to rules like. Yeah. Well, I was going to go really far for a rules like leap and be like dread. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, I mean, yeah. To the idea of just guess, like yeah. tension, horror. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think what it would be like playing basically Call of Cthulhu using the Dread rules. I think that could kind of work pretty well. Yeah. If you want to get. As long as you're happy for it to be a one shot. Yeah, yeah. You can't play yeah. a campaign with Dread. Yeah. I, well, I, I, yeah. It might be possible to play a campaign with Dread. I don't think I would like to try because there's no real way to do stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I, it absolutely does work. I've run like uh, Laundry, which is uh, investigative investigative Call of Cthulhu one-shots oh, yeah, um, using Dread mm-hmm. because it just seems quicker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it at a four-hour convention time slot and that worked. So, yeah, Dread, Dread definitely works for a, with it. For a one-shot, um, yeah. They yeah. don't say if it's I mean, a one-shot or a campaign, in fairness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I was... Yeah, I don't know if they... I think Brindlewood Bay maybe would let you do more campaign stuff. Yeah. But I, I didn't look at the XP. I was just a player. Fair enough. Right. Well, there we go. So there we have some. And then my question is, what, what's everyone playing at the moment? Because yeah. I know you, you folks Good played question. something on Wednesday. What, what was it you played? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So Peter's RPG Club, yes. the Southampton Guild of Royal Players, opened yeah. up in person again mm. on Wednesday after three years off due to oh. plagues and pandemics. Yes. So I went along. Yes. And Peter ran a game of Honey Heist. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the one-page adventure by Grant Howitt. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, fun. Yeah. Um, I'd like to localise it, so it was all set in Hampshire. In the New Forest, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> the well-known yeah, bears you... of the New Forest, yes. 
Yes, and then there was a buffet on the Isle of Wight Ferry for some weird, it was really weird reason. the 16th birthday buffet. <laughs> nice. Which you ruined. Well, my immersion started slipping at that point. Sorry. The buffet on the, on the sorry, sorry, sorry. You were playing a, a game of Honey Heist, and you are like, I expect this to be an immersive... I'd have had all the talking bears, but... Only talking bear wearing a jaunty hat. Uh, uh, I, a talking but, bear wearing a jaunty hat, climbing up a 15 handle, off the mast of a 15-foot sailboat. I sailboard. can handle that. What I cannot handle is Red Funnel offering a buffet. I never said Red Funnel did the buffet. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so so that's what we did on Wednesday night, which is kind of fun. Thursday night, I am running to save a kingdom. Yeah. With Level Up, obviously. And tonight, I'm off round a friend's house to play Space Fight, which is a starship combat game that I designed like three or four years ago and didn't really do an awful lot with, but I do have a rule book. I do have counters and ship cards and stuff. Um, so we're going to go around there and we're going to play test it and they're going to see if there's any, you know, see if it's something we might actually want to do something with. Ooh. So that's me. Yeah. I have been playing Delta Green and we're looking on moving that to a Tuesdays because I will be running something. I have not yet decided what it will be, but I will know by Tuesday morning what it will be for Wednesdays, which is the previous slot, and Delta Green, it's like Call of Cthulhu, you're the American branch of government, which is trying to keep a, keep lid on the incursions of the supernatural into the regular world. So, yeah, it's quite, it's quite good fun. Mm-hmm. I'm playing a character which I have stolen off a TV show and nobody seems to have noticed, uh, which amuses Excellent. me greatly. Good. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm having a great time. I really love it. It's like it's a really strong group. The GM's never run it before, so he's looking to keep on going. Sundays, I am running Error of the Consortium, which is a sci-fi game. Interstellar Rescue and Investigative Services, which was initially, I was hoping for more of a diggy diggy space hawk game, but they appear to, the players are insistent that they're going to be playing an investigative game. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I guess we'll make it an investigative game then. Yeah. Seems legit. Uh, yeah. So that, that's where I am at at the moment. Fun time. Hmm. Oh. And what about you, Jessington? I, okay. Jessington. Um, Jessington <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, wasn't ready for that. Uh, uh, I um, play my Wolf Rock campaign that's been going on for a uh, uh, while. Uh, Ooh, playing that nice. on Fridays, uh, which is nice. What so are I'm, you playing? I'm playing a herbalist, and I've actually leveled Ooh. up in my career recently. So now oh. I can actually do healing. So I'm actually mm. useful, because previously I was just what? like hiding under tables and throwing cups at people. Uh, was my Bonk. which yeah, uh, but now like I'm like oh I'm actually useful and have a purpose here I can actually oh, heal people, uh, which is very useful. I think tonight's session might be a big. Uh, we're playing the the enemy within campaign. I think we're coming to a big moment where things going to happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, but mm-hmm. I'm getting those vibes that uh, s- stuff's going to go down. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if, whether it'll be good or not, but it will. Nevertheless, it will be. Um, but yes, that's that's going on. I'm playing some Pathfinder on Wednesdays with my regular gaming group as well, which has been fun. So I've been playing through kind of the starter adventures on that using Foundry, which is it's good fun. Um, and it's a good way to learn the rules because I just click things online and it's not scary. Yeah. But mm. the GM who is uh, running that is um, creating human life over the next few weeks. And so they're not going to be GMing, right. which is reasonable, mm-hmm. I think, when you're when you have a baby. Because I understand you're not busy with other stuff. Not, this isn't like some kind of chemical concoction, like Frankenstein's monster. Could be, for all well, I know. If it was, it would still be fine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. D- didn't, didn't ask, uh, but maybe. Yeah. It's possible with this friend. Um, but anyway, 
so I have volunteered afterwards to run a little game for a bit, and I was in the mood of watching a bit of zombie survival horror. Mm. And I have backed the Walking Dead Kickstarter, which just ended this week. But I kind of forget that not everyone does the unpublishing thing of immediately giving you the PDF. So I was like, oh, I can't really run using that. Um, I in my mind that's like the standard, but I know it's it's actually not. It's that's we're just Mm. weird. But anyway, it is becoming more common though. Yeah, Yeah. I I do do see it from time to time now. But anyway, so excellent opportunity to break out cred and maybe do some prequel stuff. Well. I went looking for a system because I had something in mind. I was like, oh, do you know what? I want it to be apocalyptic survival horror. So I want the zombies I to be know. there, but I want them to be kind of an obstacle you get over and it's more about the, oh, society's clap, what do we do? So I wanted yeah. you to be like worried about getting resources and finding stuff and I wanted you to be yeah. scared of people. You know, I wanted you to be sat in a room crying because you run out of baked beans style type thing. And I wanted it to be reasonably rules-like uh, because mm-hmm. I'm lazy. <laughs> to, to summarize and uh yeah and i and i wanted to be focused more kind of on a narrative so i had a look around and the thing that ticked all the boxes on the outside was the dead are coming right which seems to work quite quite well and so i'm reading through the rule book on that i think that's what i'm going to go with it kind of ticks all the boxes and it's got loads of really nice generated tables for like when you're looking for resources and stuff so mm. you're like oh yeah you're in this sort of area what do you find you find this and sometimes it's really useful and sometimes it's like not so that's quite nice for managing that so i can do it quite sandboxy in open world so that is a thing i'm looking at right now as well to to run that and then i'm um, mm. i'm doing the kind of behind the scenes production for the to save a kingdom actual play as well so i'm not i'm not in that yeah. one but i'm in the discord chats like managing bits and pieces and doing the um yeah. in the chat for that and moderating it so if you come along to watch that i'll be there to chat to you as well mm. but yeah so I, i'm doing that so i thought that's quite fun it's quite fun finding a system that works for you, which is why I thought I'd bring out those questions about... Because there's so many different games out there, and I think sometimes just, yeah, yeah, just getting the push to, to find them is, is quite fun. Yeah. Well, there's one other thing I might be doing next week, depending on whether it's needed, is possibly at the club might run a Star Trek-themed awfully cheerful engine adventure. Maybe. Oh, nice. Nice. Jess will be very excited by that. Just like a, just like a one shot or yeah, two weeks sort of thing, not a long yeah, campaign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Well, it, not everything has to be a long campaign. I'm not. I, I, I like the whole ethos of the club is the GMs get a chance to play too. And it's yeah. like you get to try out new things. And I mean, if you like it, if everyone's having a great time, including the GM who is a player as well. Mm. <laughs> Then yeah, yeah, sure, by all means, go it's long. Go just long. a bandwidth issue, really. It's yeah, just yeah. Um, yeah. But like, you know, like a little turn up, have some fun, play around. Like, I wouldn't want to try and run Honey Heist week after week. I only have so much to no. say about yeah. <laughs> criminal bears stealing honey. There's, um, there's only yeah. so many hats you can wear as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> just stack them. <laughs> just stack, stack them. hats. Hat stack. <laughs> you could do that with a fez. Definitely stack fezes. Nearly there. Nearly there. Hurry up, friend rogue. If we don't get this door open soon, the legions of Gothraxus will be upon us. Yeah, I, I am working as fast as I can. You know, this door is triple locked. He has three, three deadly traps and an exploding fireball glyph. So, you know. Oh, yes. Gothraxus, the kobold king, is mightily fond of traps. Fortunately, we have the finest rogue in all the land on our side. 
Uh, well, you know, I'm not sure I'd, you know, go as far as to say that, you know, I... Oh, don't be so modest, my thief, Nicomachitrich. Only you could have broken into the invisible vault of the infernal wastes. And it was you alone who picked the pocket of Elphazor the Inverted and retrieved the sacred gem of truth. Yeah, well, yes, I, you know, I did do those things. Um, but, you know, you've got to bear... Oh, we have faith in you, my rascally chum. Although I would note that Carfraxus's elite badger division is but moments away. Okay, okay. So, the first dart trap is disabled. Okay, that was a nasty one. You know, poison from a swamp dragon. You know, that that would do away with you in under a minute. <laughs> then proceed, my crooked compatriot, to the second trap. Ah, the enemy readies its attacks. Pray, hurry, dear rogue. Okay, this this isn't easy, you know. You know, Garthraxus is a you know a master trapsmith. Even the traps in here have booby traps. You know, this here poison gas trap is guarded by an acid spray, which will melt even through your enchanted breastplate, friend warrior. Oh, you can do it. I know it. Okay, I've nearly got it. So you know, the last lock is tricky. It's it's got a reverse carbuncle mechanism. If I can just get that to oh uh oh uh oh uh oh okay. So I I nearly. Nearly set off a hidden icicle trap. Nasty little blighter. Uh, okay, that 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 that's got it. The badgers round the last bend. They have a promise. I'll try and hold them off. I shall provide you with arcane fortifications, my brave companion. Okay, okay. Let me let me just quickly circumvent this sneaky sphere of annihilation. Rolling boulder. Oh, oh, that is clever. Oh, and oh, fine, finally crushing walls. There. Uh, that's got it! Just in the nick of time. Quickly, through the door! <sighs> that was close. I I thought we were goners. <laughs> I never doubted you, my dear friend. I did, a bit. Rude. Well, be that as it may, we are safe now. The traps have been disposed of, the door unlocked, and the Badger Legions are a threat no more. Um... What ails you, my cunning comrade? Isn't this supposed to be the way out? Of the Cobalt King Citadel. Indeed. Okay, so then why is there a privy here? A privy? No. At that last junction, did we turn left or did we turn right? Right, I think. Uh, the, the way out. It was to the left. So then we're in... Yes, the Cobalt King's private... Uh... Powder room? Okay, but why was it so well guarded? I mean, some people are just very protective of their personal space. Uh, well, well, what now then? Well, I don't know about you, but after all that excitement... What are you doing? Pass the bog roll, will you? Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? So, 
What we're going to talk about now is the D&D Creator Summit, which took place on Monday. It did. Now, this was a thing where Wizards of the Coast invited a legion of content creators. Now, by content creators, uh, generally they mean sort of YouTubers and podcasters and stuff, rather than yeah. third-party publishers. And mm. um, I think my I was invited, and I think my invitation was, you know, as a reporter on a news site, as opposed to as a third-party publisher. So that that that, that was kind of the sort of uh, uh, general general thrust of uh, of that. I I didn't get an um, invite. Did you get an invite, Peter? You did not get. Oh dear, Ma- me. I'm sorry. No, I didn't get an invite. Even though we are co-hosts on Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk show. Well, it's always the way. Every time somebody has something, they always send it to Morris. Anyway, so this summit, yeah. they invited people in, in person, uh, about 30 people okay. were invited in person to Wizards of the Coast offices, okay. and then about another 40-odd were invited digitally online. A lot of those were international people, like I myself, obviously, was not going to go to Seattle to to do that, yes. but... um. So those those were via Microsoft Teams. Oh, what a uh, choice! And we we're able to, yeah, able to attend, able to attend the event via that platform. So that's what happened. So it's about 70, 70 people in total. And the general gist of the thing was to talk a little bit about one D and D, talk a bit about the virtual tabletop, and just generally the future of D and D in general. Mm. So this was like. Pitched as like a PR event for people that do reporting on on D and D and yeah yeah okay, and have yeah a so it was an all day one day event mm-hmm. it had a sort of morning and afternoon sessions and a lunch break in the middle mm-hmm. so it was an all day all day thing I personally didn't attend the thing all day because it was like um, Seattle time which mm. is eight hours behind yeah. us so that would have gone on until mm-hmm. the sort of like three or four in the morning so I did the first half mm-hmm. and then uh, Beth Rimmels who writes mm-hmm. a lot of our D and D reviews and and yep. stuff on the site, uh, covered the second half. Nice. So, yeah, it was interesting. Um, there was a lot of technical problems at first. Yeah? Um, on Yeah, teams? trying to log in with the teams. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, like, people thinking that, you know, they've done something wrong and set it up wrong or something, just looking at a blank screen and things like that. But So the first session was a half-hour session by Cynthia Williams, who's the uh, uh, president of Wizards. Mm-hmm. She was doing a half-hour session sort of opening remarks thing. Yeah. And that didn't start until 25 minutes into that half-hour session because of the technical issues oh, that happened. Oh, that's all Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there was Cynthia Williams standing in front of a big statue of Drizzo Urden and, and his panther doing just doing opening remarks. It was just kind of, thank you for coming. Um, uh, we're doing this because it's really important that we feel that we need to connect with the community, get feedback from the community. It was just kind of that sort of thing she was saying. Yeah. And... Uh, and then they just kind of outlined kind of how the day would work, how the sessions were organised, and a, a few housekeeping things like saying, please don't take any photos or um, uh, uh, live stream the video if you're online or screenshots, because they, it is a working office. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of this is happening with people who aren't, you know, just people who are working there, okay. who aren't, and there are privacy issues concerning them. Yeah. Like the, so it was, you know, it was taking place in a working office, so... So there was that element to it. So every, everything, everything that was reported was like sort of by word. There were no images that, that could be shared. Uh, yeah. So it was interesting. I started off with a Q&A with Amy Dallin, who's from the D&D Beyond marketing team. So what happened was while the people in person were being shown an in-person demonstration of the virtual tabletop, they weren't able to do that for the online people. 
Oh. So instead, the online people were split into two groups. Mm-hmm. Half of them were doing went to a D&D Beyond presentation, a feature of D&D Beyond. The other half sat with Amy Dallin, who just did a sort of general sort of chat, kind of overall sort of chat. And then the two groups swapped over. Right. So I was I was I was with Amy for the first half okay. mm-hmm. and then swapped over and did the D&D Beyond presentation after that. I wasn't really entirely clear on what the purpose of that was because Amy wasn't really able to answer any questions that anyone asked. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think, I mean, not, I'm not Sorry. trying to criticism. I'm just saying, yeah. I don't think that's what, I don't think that was the purpose of it. And people were asking her questions that weren't really the sort of questions she was able to answer. What sort of questions were they um, asking? If, if you're allowed to. No. Um, no, 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 yeah, we're allowed to. Well, one of the things they did say, you're not, no screenshots and no, um, what should we call it? Recordings, live yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, uh, live recordings. But um, they, they they did say that there was no NDA, no oh, embargo. No embargo. You can report on anything. Okay, cool. Mm. Anything at all. Totally free. What were people so, asking? Yeah, so um, someone asked about the technical requirements of the virtual tabletop. Okay. Uh, and he didn't have that information. Yeah. Um, but did say it was a priority to share that info once it's determined. Mm-hmm. Of course, there was a virtual tabletop session later in the day where that sort of thing got, you know, was dealt okay, with in more yeah, detail. Yeah, sure. There was uh, someone asked whether D&D Beyond would be getting extra language support. Again, Amy couldn't show any concrete plans, but there is an Italian player's handbook on there. Oh, nice. Okay. Right. Yeah. Would publishing on DM's Guild be continuing with one D&D? As far as Amy knew, no changes were planned. Right. Then she sort of went through how the day was structured. This was my question. So I was, I was, I, I was unclear on how this whole thing worked. Mm. So I was asking, how was the day structured and how is this working? So then she said, yeah, so there's going to be the three presentations, this, that, yeah. and then... Mm-hmm. And um, then it's going to finish with a forward-looking thing from Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, a YouTube creator. Now, this is where it sort of started to get slightly odd, I felt. Oh, yeah. So these were... I was with a bunch of, basically, I guess, YouTube people and creators on the mm-hmm. sort of media side yeah. of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And one of them asked... I, I, I won't say who. I mean, I don't know who they were. They, their names were there, but I won't, I won't say who. But asked how to get onto the review copy list because they were bothered by the fact that they could not get answers or get on the review copy list despite having a much larger followership than other people who mm. were on that list. Okay. And, uh, and, yeah. and they seemed a little bit um, you know, put off yeah. by that. Yeah. Uh, so Amy sort of said she'd try and sort of follow up and try and get them the correct email to inquire mm-hmm. about that. But this kind of theme went on. There was kind of a general theme. Um, he went on to ask if Wizards of the Coast viewed certain creators as hostile. Mm. Like they felt that they were regarded as a hostile creator in some manner. Mm. And then they cited that, remember Kyle Brinks did that kind of apology tour? Yes. After mm. the OGL. Yeah. Visiting various YouTubers. Yes. Um, they were asking why, how were those decisions made as to who Kyle Brinks spoke to? Sure. Yeah. Because obviously it wasn't related to followership. Because they were, they were saying, this person was saying, range, because yeah, yeah. That, this person had a bigger foot. So I'm um, basically kind of sort of saying, I felt, why didn't I get an interview with Carl Brinks? Uh, I think. That's yeah, kind I mean, of the, that's kind of the subtext I was I, getting there. Well, if, um, if you've got like half a million people following you on YouTube and someone else has 50,000, then yeah. like obviously it's worthwhile talking to 50,000 follower person. Yeah. But half a million is. I, I, I think, yeah, it's worthwhile yeah. asking what are the criteria for who, who you choose. Yeah, yeah. but this, what I'm trying to say, there's a general pattern here. There's like four four or five questions in a okay. row which are related in the same sort of uh, people disgruntled because they're not being 
you know, at the forefront of Wizards marketing strategy, perhaps. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of the sense I got. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they asked whether or not Wizards viewed certain creators as hostile. Yeah. Well, it's um, a worthwhile question asking because well, I, uh, if it, if it, I, I have opinions on that, but she well, yeah. said, <laughs> well, 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 at least they're inviting you to stuff now. Uh, she said she was publishing. not so, yeah. aware of any such feeling or yeah. policy, and decisions on who they talk to are based on a broad range of factors. Yeah, and um, that's who who's mates with people at Wizards of the Coast. They're getting in first. Yeah. <laughs> well, so then another another creator asked whether yeah. like Wizards treated content creators, by which that term means YouTubers, podcasters, mm-hmm. and things, yeah. as right. opposed to third party publishers, yeah. which are people who make books. Right, and games. right. So the people who uh, actually just... make stuff about talking about Dungeons and Dragons are they treated differently from people who actually write the stuff that make people play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. And how it's decided who would be invited physically and who digitally to this um, event. Because yeah. yeah. I think a couple of people in the digital side were kind of like, I'd rather have gone physically, but I yeah. wasn't invited to do so. Right. Mm. Because they, they were very generous. I saw there was like one chap, I saw his invitation that he was talking about, and they essentially had a, an expenses paid trip to Wizards of the Coast HQ, mm. okay. which you wouldn't have wise been able to afford to go on. So Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, Amy said there is, to her knowledge, no formal division between those two groups, and that Wizards just wanted a mix of people from both both sides. Right. It was, it was kind of her answer to that. So, so, so sorry, who is, who is Amy again? Amy, Amy Dallin, who is in marketing at D&D Beyond. Right. Okay. As far as I can make out, it was definitely influenced more to the influencer than the publishing side was my perception, anecdotal perception of who yeah, was yeah. there. Just your, um, just yeah. your gut feeling, as it were. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like Cobalt Press was there. It's not like, oh. you know, it's not like... Rude. You know, prolific third-party creators were there in that capacity. I didn't feel. Right. So so, um, so you didn't recognise anyone from people who make stuff for the game? I mean, there were. I mean, there was like, Sly, okay. like well, Mike Shay, Sly Flourish was there, oh, yeah. and he makes stuff, but he's also an influencer. He's so, much more. I mean, he he does a fair bit of stuff, but yeah, yeah, okay. And I say, I'd argue, me myself also, I make stuff, but yeah. also I do a news site. You're an influencer. Yeah. So my role is, you know, kind of I have like the dual role, and I yeah, suspect yeah. my invitation was linked to the latter rather than the former. So, I don't. I yeah. can't say for sure. Can't say for sure. But anyway, um, then we finally had another creator brought up the fact that the initial invitations, because when when people initially heard about this event. It was because some YouTubers had gotten invitations. Yes. And there was, like, the initial invitations all went to YouTubers rather than people who published stuff. Yes. And that irked some people. And I saw on Twitter and other places complaints about this. People sort of saying, why are they just talking to well um, influencers I, and not talking to us who actually make the stuff? I, I, I was kind of what I saw. I will be saying, honest for us. Like... Um, I'd actually seen this and was going to bring it up, but in the podcast where I was going to bring it up for the news, you said you had been invited. So I decided mm. that I was probably no longer news at any point, but it did seem very strange. So I can see why a lot of people would have their backs out about it. Well, because the, na- the nature of this thing wasn't a... Well, it's called a creator summit, and that's the mm. problem. And I've seen people online and on my forums, people kind of getting bent out of joint over the terminology. Yeah. yeah. Like... Content creator, they say, to them means people who create games. Yes. Whereas the term is being used here to mean 
influencers. In, it's being used yeah. to make YouTubers. In fairness, people like in that. the wider world of marketing, content creator does that mean is correct, it yes. is the way yeah, they're yeah, using yeah. it is correct. It's somebody that exactly. makes online that's, content yeah. and is an influencer. Yeah, that's, exa- yeah, that's exactly my so point. Yeah. Exactly that's, my point. It's, it's, it's bigger, it's bigger it's, than TTRPGs. That's, that's, the, that's yeah, the term yeah, for that job. That's exactly my point. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They're using the term content creators and they are using mm-hmm. it to mean as is, you know, correct, yeah. influencers, you know, whether you or not you like that terminology, that is the terminology, mm-hmm. you know, whether you think content creator should mean tabletop game maker or not, it doesn't. That's mm-hmm. not how that term is used these days. Yeah. So, um, it was for those sorts of people in order to get the message out. It wasn't like a, a summit with people who make games yeah. in order to give them information that would help them make games because that sort of information wasn't Well, present. that makes sense. To me, this looks like they're like, we need to do something on our PR to make the OGL situation yeah, seem better. Yeah. So we're going to invite people who have a lot of reach and talk about talk about D&D yeah. but are not part of D&D themselves. That, yeah, yeah, that makes sense that that would be what that was. this was for. Yeah, I've, 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 I feel that was kind of clear, but I think the terminology, maybe just some people just... yeah, yeah. Hadn't seen that terminology used yeah, yeah, in yeah. that way, perhaps, and and mm-hmm. kind of assumed that content creator means something different to what it actually means. Yeah. Is, is is my guess? I don't know. Um, so yeah, so that that was that was that meeting. It was like half hour um, with Amy Dallin. Um, generally, she was just sort of yeah, she was just kind of keeping up, talking to us in a waiting room while we waited to go and see the D and D Beyond thing. To be honest, <laughs> okay. and wasn't really able to you know well, since say, were, say much. Yeah, I mean they're not able to demonstrate. A, they're not able to share a screen via Teams online, so they need to have something for people on the Teams call to look at, I guess. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so that was that. And then we moved on to the D&D Beyond thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the D&D Beyond presentation was when I saw. So basically, what I I, uh, I, I saw, so I was, I was sitting there looking at Teams as a digital uh, attendee, and what I saw was basically a live view of what I assume is one of Wizard of the Coast offices. Um, there were people sort of milling about and there were tables, um, with stuff set up on them and stuff like that. Um, so this entire thing and, and like muffled voices and things. Um, this, this whole thing, I think for the digital attendees was difficult. Um, they could barely make out a thing that was being said the entire time, especially not so badly from the speakers, from the actual presenters. But when people were asking them questions, I, I really couldn't make out what they were saying. And, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't. Hi- it wasn't easy to cover. Hybrid events are tough to, to yeah, run. You have yeah, to do a yeah. lot of work to make hybrid events successful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, there was a lot of like, audio clipping going on, which didn't help. You know, when it takes off the top and the bottom ranges of the... And you, you can oh, sort of yeah. hear it in the voices. So it was it, so it actually made the actual words sometimes quite hard to distinguish from the background noise. Mm. So, you know, that's, you know it's technical yeah. stuff that I guess, you know, I doubt, I'm not saying I could do any better. Obviously, I couldn't. But... You know, it's uh, it was it was you know it was it was challenging as a digital attendee to actually cover. Okay. I mean, I think I did okay. I mean, you know, I, I, I got there. So uh, we started with Dan Lawson from Wizards. Um, started talking about his start in D and D and introduced the team present. Um, so the people we had there was uh, Dan Lawson, who's the senior vice president of D and D. We had Marjorie Lehman, who's the vice president of D and D Beyond. We had Pat Backman, who's the senior project manager. Jared Wazdin, who's a product manager, Elliot Spilk, who's an associate project manager, and Sarah Chaffee, who's the community manager. Okay. So those, so it's, you know, there's like s- several presenters yeah. there talking. And then they kind of just talked about D&D Beyond and what they want D&D Beyond to be going forward and the future of D&D Beyond as a platform, um, you know, since they acquired it last year. 
So they want D&D Beyond, they said, basically to be the official home for D&D to the extent that all the stuff that's on the Wizards D&D site is being migrated over there. Okay. So all the stuff that you used to see over there, you will see on D&D Beyond. Mm. And D&D Beyond will be the place you go to to find D&D stuff mm. rather okay. than the Wizards of the Coast website. So that's that's a transition. So that's taking time to do, but they're they're migrating stuff over, and eventually that will be all you use. So it's going to be content. It's going to be tools. It's going to be the virtual tabletop. Eventually, they're deprecating the Wizards of the Coast D and D site in favour of it. Okay, uh, that makes yeah. sense. You know, they bought it. They might as well use yeah, it. Yeah. Make it a one stop shop. So what? Sure. What? Yeah, exactly. And they they call it an amusement park. Was the analogy they yeah, used? Okay. They basically want it to be a D and D amusement park. Everything under one roof, sort of thing. D and D Beyond. Okay. Sue, they talked a little bit about what they've been up to in the last year. Sorry, this is very much me just talking. I, well, no, I but Peter and I didn't yeah. go to this event, so I we know, can't really report yeah. on it. Yeah. I'm enjoying listening because I've read on yeah. EN World, we've got this all written, so if you prefer to read it, it's obviously there, but it's just interesting. I'm interested in mm. hearing you talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So um, they talked about what they've been up to over the last year. Mm. So the main thing they've been up to is integrating the Indie Beyond with Wizards of the Ghost since the acquisition sure. early last year. Um, they've been doing digital content drops. Various things have been appearing on D&D Beyond, which you can download. Mm-hmm. A lot of background stability and performance work, apparently, was needed because the mm-hmm. uh, user base is large and there are yeah. system challenges to deal with that. Yeah. And then, and then they talked about what was next, what's coming next for D&D Beyond. Mm. So th- there are a number of categories for this. So improving play and preparation is that the play and preparation experience on D&D Beyond is one of the things they're going to be doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mobile play okay. is something they're going to be focusing oh, on. That's interesting, yeah. You know, m- multi-platform mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, they're going to be focusing on new player onboarding. That makes sense with the movie being launched. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. The, it's, so the, time, it's the time work, to do it, of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, opening it to partners, this is the, an interesting bit, and a whole bunch of back-end technical stuff. But this partners thing is interesting. I raised my eyebrow. Which one? Yeah. Not very well. So this is for partners and third-party publishers. Mm-hmm. And they're very much in the early stages of working out what that could look like. So there's literally nothing set in stone yet. They mm-hmm. haven't started work on it, and there's nothing decided yet. And they they are kind of... They did say they kind of welcome feedback on it. Okay. Um, so it's going to be like homebrew and marketplace fe- features. So you can make homebrew stuff, mm-hmm. share it, possibly sell it. Mm-hmm. On D and D Beyond, okay, is is basically the plan that I I kind of got the impression was happening. So is this? I mean, when you say that, do you mean like adventure modules or like what do we? What does that mean? So I think we're talking about the people who make content for D and D. Yes, will be able to offer their products for sale. And when you say yeah. made on D and when you say Beyond. make content, you mean as in third party publisher? The way we use it. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Just to clarify, because yeah, yeah, we've yeah, had sorry. this. Game just because we've Game had products, that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, I didn't get the impression that that would just be open and accessible to everyone, but I'm not 100% sure whether that's the end goal. Right. I think at first it would probably be selected partners. Because okay. I think integrating, writing something and integrating it into D&D Beyond systems, obviously, is a hard thing to do. Wait. Yeah, I mean, we have Digital that. Digital assets, with, writing code. We have that with our games yeah, with virtual tabletops. It's, yeah, mm. yeah, whole thing. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how, what that would look like. And they pretty much said they, they don't yet know what that would look like. It's just that that's their intention. So there's going to be some kind of D&D Beyond Marketplace open to third parties. Oh. And what's the licensing? Yeah. 
Oh, that is the big question. I, I imagine they're not answering that question at this event. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I, don't, I, just, I don't think they even know. It's, what, it's, you know my main question is, so this is kind of like making the DMs Guild move to D&D Beyond. Like, what does that mean for the DMs Guild? Well, Amy, in that previous meeting, did say that to her knowledge, there's no planned change to DMs Guild. Okay. Mm. But... So we're talking two different types of product, I guess. Maybe. I think it is interesting, the idea to try and integrate DMs Guild with D&D Beyond, but just the uh, ha- the how you do that and the scale of it. Well, the seems... thing is, DMs Guild is PDFs, isn't it? Yeah. Which is not what D&D Beyond is. Yeah, I know. Mm. But I think from a, yeah, from I mean, a I... customer's perspective, it would be nice if you could... Yeah. buy something and you want to put it in your game that you yeah. could stick it in there. If it's an adventure, oh, I could see that. If you're doing, like, rules content... The rules content. How they could integrate that into that... D&D Beyond, I don't understand. That couldn't yeah. be done, could Ooh. it? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't know. are wildly popular. Like, yeah, if, yeah I mean, but you'd have yeah. to get the D&D Beyond team to actually code it into their system. Exactly, yeah. But, you couldn't but, do that yeah. yourself. Yeah, like, there's, there's just some... Like, magic items, maybe you can. You'll be able to code it in. Maybe they'll have, like... Yeah. options for you to do it i mean to be fair it's not beyond the wit of man to make your own subclass uh, for maybe. it but any novel mechanics will be obviously restricted by what's in the base rule set so you won't be able to have novel yeah. mechanics uh, you might be able to have variations of the theme yeah, so, yeah. I, I think just adding adding a subclass would be difficult unless all you're literally adding is text and it doesn't have to interact yeah. mechanically with the existing D beyond system I, I i mean i think it should be if they're, if they're release, they t- they've already talked about releasing a, um, uh, how do you call it? A dungeon making toolkit or what have you. Yeah. So yeah. I guess you should be able to do stuff, depending on how sophisticated it is, to have what's in your adventure and change it over so it fits. Mm. But I suspect, rightly or wrongly, that you will be really pushed to have different looking and different spaces. Like, if I was to do an adventure tomorrow, I could do an adventure mm. where at one point you are jumping from island to island above a giant vortex in another dimension, uh, which, you know, I have actually used in a game of Advanced First Edition for yourself for us. Like, you, you're all on islands, jumping from island to island, whilst you're fighting above a giant maelstrom, whilst giant snakes were flying around and causing all sorts of kerfuffle. Would I be able to have the art assets to be able to implement that in... Whatever they're doing, I don't know. Possibly not immediately. Uh, possibly no. never. We don't know. But and it's that sort of thing that it's like you should be. A lot of it will be able to go across, but we be able to have the fun stuff, the weird and the wild. So maybe mm. we don't know. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Anyway, so the, a Q and A session started okay. then. Yes, where people are asking questions. So there were people talking about sort of global communities and content for people, different people across the world. I had real trouble hearing this bit. Mm. It was like, uh, it was someone like at the back of the room talking. I just couldn't make out what was going on. I did get the sense that that was what the discussion was about there. Just from the words I could make out. Like I said, the audio was... So for people in the global south and so forth? Um, uh, That was the impression I got, yeah. Mm. Um, Like also Wizards sort of saying, yeah, they kind of want to make content for different people. As well, just like, you know, not everybody necessarily wants to play in a sort of Western Europe themed thing. That's true. I don't. Especially, especially if you're not from, you know, from that background. So yep. I, I think that was kind of the gist of the, of the conversation there, but I couldn't, I couldn't say for sure because I couldn't hear it. Um, someone did ask about the D&D Beyond mobile site and app. 
And apparently the functionality is different between the two and the app is less functional than the, the site. And they were asking whether functionality would be added to the app. Um, and, uh, they, they just sort of said, yes, they are looking along those lines at that sort of thing. Again, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly what, what the differences are because I don't use DD Beyond particularly. Uh, where are we? Digital content in other languages and American Sign Language. So by digital content, they're also talking, um, the videos and things they make, DD Beyond makes. And American Sign Language is something they're actively trying to figure out. What I will say, all throughout this, they had American Sign Language win- uh, window with someone doing American Sign Language. Okay. Um, all throughout. Mm-hmm. Which, which I thought was, you know, impressive. Oh, that's good then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Could have different languages. Yeah, so they had that all throughout yeah. this meeting. And I assume in the afternoon meetings too. But they had all throughout this meeting. People asked about the future of D&D in print. That there were concerns that D&D is kind of beginning to be sort of like deprecated in favour of digital D&D. And I have seen people asking that sort of online recently, thinking that's the case. Um, they did say that the future of D&D print is, I mean, this is there, was very bright and that millions of people cherish the books in the tabletop and they have every intention of continuing to support that. Um, digital is as well as, not instead of mm-hmm. that. Oh, okay. Okay. That's the intention. There was questions about the equitability of global product pricing. It was something that they are aware of, they appreciate the concern, uh, need to approach, but not something they've as yet tackled. Older editions in D&D Beyond, someone asked. Older editions of D&D. It has been discussed. There are no plans right now, but that's not a no. Okay. Um, someone asked, does that therefore include the problematic elements of older products? Yeah. I imagine they're like, yeah, we're going to keep in all the bigoted yeah. content for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what they said is, you know, basically what they'd be looking to use is the mechanical rules, not the sort of problematic content. Yeah. yeah. But, but again, this is kind of, it's, there are no plans. So I guess they just kind of answered what they probably thought they would be doing, because there were no actual plans for that yet. Sure. There was a question something about um, preserving Wizards D&D website resources as it migrates to D&D Beyond. I couldn't make out the question or the answer, so mm. I don't know what they said Good. to that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they talked about how uh, virtual tabletops and content will interact. They, uh, as as in not their virtual tabletop, other virtual tabletops, mm-hmm. like Roll Twenty and Fantasy Grounds, who currently have D and D licenses. Right. Um, they said they want their content to be accessible and the access to be as broad as possible. Okay. They want it in as many places. You know, they want to be selling their stuff in as many places as possible, sure. which means they will continue to partner with great virtual tabletops. You know, I kind of, the you know, sure. there. and they'll also set it at Amazon, and they'll also set it in a bookstore, and they'll also set it at Barnes and Noble, and they'll also set it at yeah. Walmart. You know, they'll just sell it anywhere yeah, they can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. That makes, yeah, yeah. This is a question I didn't quite get. There's something about mentorship on content creation for the third party marketplace. It was a, a really long question someone asked, and I couldn't hear it. Then one of the pres- presenters kind of summarized it. I think I wasn't really clear what the answer was. But that was, as far as, they were talking about mentorship on content creation in some manner. When you say content creation, you mean like third-party publishing or media? Or yeah, for the third-party marketplace, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, um, I mean, sure. I mean, I couldn't even tell you whether they turned around and said, no, there won't be mentorship, or yes, there uh, will be. Okay. Or, you know, I couldn't tell you anything about that, just that that was the topic being discussed. Or those, are the, those are the words that I was able to make okay. out. So, uh, so, so what, what I'm taking away is, is like, for their big, big foo their big tech demo, 
they couldn't get the sound working well. <laughs> or billion dollar company Hasbro. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Well, someone asked whether the virtual tabletop would be on consoles. Oh, wow, yeah. And this kind of led into the technical requirements. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So their intent, yeah. and it is very early in development, mm-hmm. their intent is for you to use the virtual tabletop on PC, console, and mobile. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. They said the sequencing won't be everything on day one. Sure. Yeah. That's a long-term goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the goal is to have it accessible on as many platforms as is possible so oh. that people can just play D&D with each other using whatever platform they have to hand. Yeah, okay. Wherever they are. I, I, I mean, fair enough, but goodness. Um, wow. Yeah, that, I can see that, technical that challenges technically there. technically challenging. To yeah. Mildly. yeah, I mean, it can be done. I, did, I didn't think I'd be able to play XCOM on my phone, but that is apparently a thing you can mm. do. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it on mine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess basically, you, you know, someone on a desktop might have a richer, like gra- graphically richer experience than someone on a mobile, maybe. But uh, yeah. they would still work together, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure uh, they'll come up with something. Yeah. Did they say oh, who they were getting to do this? No. Okay. Huh? At least okay. not that I heard. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, um, I think it's the D&D Beyond team itself, I think. I'm not 100% they're, sure. They're probably big enough to have an internal team to manage this. Because yeah. they recruited like 100 people or yeah, something yeah, yeah. last year or something like that. Like loads of people. Yeah. Anyway, the conversation then went back to legacy content being on D&D Beyond. Steered back to that. And they said that any, if they bring any legacy content over, any content that does be brought over will be go through robust review to make sure it's appropriate and inviting to everybody. Um, bringing legacy content over is a lot of work, they said, mm-hmm. and they won't bring them over without doing that work, but it is a lot of work, so it's not going to be a quick thing that happens, yeah. if it happens. It's, you know, it's a major undertaking. Mm-hmm. That's basically the, 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 the takeaway from that. Uh, they talked about something about gaming store accounts and events, which is some kind of strategy that's underway, which I couldn't hear properly. Something about leaning into D&D in schools and working on content for children. Um, someone talked about that which I thought was uh, an interesting topic, but I couldn't mm-hmm. hear it. Oh. And that was basically that session over. That's what that session was, D&D Beyond. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a scattergun kind of whole bunch of different little bits and pieces. Yeah. I was just going to say to you, so if you had to summarise that, like the main points of it, how would would you be able to do that? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I would sort of say, basically, the, the general thing is they've acquired D&D Beyond. They basically want to make that the home of D&D yeah. and put everything on there. Virtual tabletop, tools, adventures, resources, videos, everything, articles, everything will be yeah. on there that you could possibly need. You'll go to D&D Beyond mm-hmm. and they just want to broaden it out and make it on different platforms in different, like, global marketing and things like that to, to, to different people. So I think that is generally the, the gist I got. It's about getting bigger and making a bigger umbrella is kind of the gist I got there. Obviously, they didn't talk a lot about the virtual tabletop in detail there, but they do uh, the later session that Beth went okay. to, where they which was a session just about the virtual tabletop, which... Yeah. Read more. Whew. <laughs> yeah. Is my voice getting boring yet? Never. <laughs> Okay, so the so the afternoon session. So I was gone by then. So off Beth bed. Um, Beth yeah. took over. Yeah, Beth took over. So uh, this was led by Kale Stutzman. The presentation on the D and D virtual tabletop. Mm-hmm. He says they're going to be showing off quite a lot more of that in May. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, they want people to see it because there are a number of misconceptions going around that they want to clear up. Sure. And the best way to do that will just be to show people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so that's what they plan to do in May. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna see some virtual tabletop stuff. Um, you, you sort of asked what sort of pain points DMs have and content creators have um, and things like that, and some people offered some information on that. And um, they, they talked about the origins of the project, the virtual tabletop. Mm-hmm. So it basically came from within D and D, not from on high at Hasbro. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically asked why doesn't D and D have a sort of default way to play online? It should have. Yeah, make, yeah. Makes sense. Oh, okay. So Stutzman had to pitch it to the various people above him at, at Wizards of the Coast, explain why it would be a useful and logical thing to do, and he managed to, you know, he managed to get them to agree to do it. So um, they made a demo, and um, he worked with Jeremy Crawford um, for the rules to figure out how to integrate the rules into into the the platform. They they kind of want you to have the fun of D anD D, but not be sort of like managing inventory. So that sure. it's going to manage inventory for you, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like a, like a video game does. Yeah, yeah, sure. It d- um, does the maths well, for you as well. Yeah. So sometimes you can just click a button mm. and it will roll the dice and yeah. work out your mods mm. for you, which yeah. I have to say, using other virtual tabletops, I do find that really useful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, they, were kept, they kept stressing it's not a video game. Um, I think some yeah. people may have indicated that it looks like a video game just from the way it looks because it's kind yeah. of 3D isometric and stuff. Yeah. And had, has animations mm-hmm. and things. Yeah. So they were stressing, it's not a video game. There's a lot of automation in it, which speeds things up, like adding bonuses yeah. and rolling dice and stuff. Yeah. But it's not a video game. It is a virtual tabletop run by a DM with yeah. players. Yeah. I think there was talk of people saying that they're researching AI GMs for a while, so then, which they've had to say, no, no, we're not doing that too. So I no, imagine it's part that. of that thing yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got sort of like four goals is basically what they okay. said. Mm. I'm looking at this and I can't quite make out what they are. So authenticity was the third goal. Not a video game. It's got to be like people um, playing D&D, authentically playing D&D. Mm-hmm. So authenticity was the third goal. The fourth goal was immersion. They want you to feel like you're in the same room. Okay. Uh, they also said that they are, it's not achieving the four goals yet and it's at pre-alpha and they're early, early in the process. So, mm-hmm. but that's kind of, that's kind of what they want to do. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they won't be able DMs to be able to show things and hide things. Um, over the course of the year, oh. they're going to be showing it to more and more people. Yeah. Um, it's going to have lots of beta testers, yeah, probably yeah. more so than most video games. Mm. There's going to be miniature customization, mm-hmm. um, ways to build locations from a tool set. Yeah. Um, right now, the builds are kind of locked down Lego, uh-huh. but, uh, like Lego sets. Yeah. But they want to give you the Lego blocks to build your location rather than the built Lego sets. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So I think we talked about that a little yeah, last week, didn't we, about yeah, that's, how that yeah, would work. That's yeah. interesting to know that they're... Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like they, they do want to give you the ability to kind of customise it in quite a bit of detail. I wonder how yeah. that could fit in with third-party publishers, like doing adventures, integrating with it then. Well, if we try um, to be I... really positive about it, it could be an absolutely fantastic opportunity mm-hmm. for more artists and more people to mm-hmm. develop assets yeah. for it. It mm-hmm. could be very yeah. exciting, like yeah. you know. Yeah, but it's ultimately going to depend upon what sort of deal they're offering. That's true. Mm. So if they if they if they if they offer a generous deal to people, then this will go absolutely berserk because yeah. people mm. throw themselves at it and fill it with. Absolutely tons of content and mm. it will just become very attractive very quickly. If they're stingy with their deal, yeah, they'll get some people who will go with it. 
because there's always like a lot of people who are in it for the love of it. Yeah. But I don't know if it will be as big. And if they give a very bad deal, then you might not even get them. So yeah, mm. we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. so well, glad you answered that way, Peter, because my next question was going to be, because you said, saying positively this, I was going to be like, and what about negatively? So I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> you've already covered that for me. <laughs> yeah. So we have the full range of options there. Yeah. All right, cool. What so, else? What else yeah. happened? So this one, one of the challenges was high-level D&D. Yes. And, a, and, a, uh, and a thing like this because everyone can fly everyone can build walls all that uh-huh. sort of stuff and that's a lot for a virtual tabletop to handle especially when it's a graphically rich 3D yeah. isometric sure, kind of yes. one like this um, so you know like on roll 20 building a wall can be just you just grab the mouse and just draw a line yeah. and say okay there's a wall there now mm. but on this it's not quite so easy is it no but he says basically if they can't do that then they'll have failed in their goals Right. That is their goal, to be able to accommodate all that stuff. Wow. So I'm getting the impression they haven't figured out how to yet, but that is their goal, and they will see not doing that as a failure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, the terrible person inside of me is saying, yeah, they should probably work out how to do high-level D&D play for tabletop mm. first before going mm. for virtual tabletop, but that's just me being awful. Yeah, yeah. No, no, fair play to them. Yeah. Sh- yeah. And then they talk a little bit, bit about using the tools that... Um, people can use to make new content and share it with the community, which is what you were just talking mm. about, Peter. So that is something they very much want to do. They want to be very, very different to, and they use the example of Disney. Mm. It's like, try making something for Disney and sharing it and see what happens. <laughs> um, was what they said. <laughs> Income um, the lawyers, yeah. Okay. Um, what they want to be very different. Mm. Yeah, and they, they want you to make stuff and share it. Yeah, yeah. And, and use it on the virtual tabletop. So that was kind of their thrust there it, that is worth stressing mm. after january though because they, they do need to they mm. do need to state that because because yeah. it's not a given yep. anymore yep. yeah right then so then we had a q a session mm-hmm. that was the presentation okay. bit over yeah and a q a session so uh, i've got a number of questions that were answered was play testing be open public or just in-house mm-hmm. currently people at hasbro and their friends are playtesting the VTT. It's fair, yeah. Next, they'll open it to a few influencers. Yeah. Ooh. Later, there will be a sign-up. Yeah. Do you think you'll be one of those influencers, Russ? Maybe the, one of the 70 people in the room? I do not know. Can we, can we play know. if you are? <laughs> I do not know. Well, well I mean, that's even, the sort Didn't of even thing, say though. yes hypothetically. <laughs> didn't even <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> say yes. I know, right? I know. It's like, you know, know who your mates are. But like yeah. that's the sort of thing that your 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 unknown your unnamed influencer was complaining about, and to be fair, it's actually his livelihood or his or her or their livelihood, mm-hmm. which is at stake because mm-hmm. if it goes to someone else, they're going to lose audience share because it's scoop. the sort of thing yeah. that yeah, it's the sort of thing that I I I mean even I might be persuaded to actually turn on a YouTube think, video about well, I think day. that's. Well, I think that's one of the dangers of just being focused on one brand. If you were an influencer who's literally focused on just Star Wars and nothing else, Mm. as opposed to science fiction or as opposed to movies or as opposed, you know, you are very much reliant on one company. Yeah. I think that is one of the dangers of doing that. So, um, it is a hard situation to be in. But that's but oh, yeah, but that's it, the same as why it, people make D and D third party content creation. We know it's dangerous now because of the AGL. But yeah. Or, yeah. but yeah. also that's what people are interested in. If you make yeah. if you yeah, make absolutely. videos about all different types of films, but people only watch your Star Wars ones, then yeah. you need to yeah yeah. I mean, I think you're missing my point, which is it's actually a valid question. 
which is mm. if someone just focuses on D&D, they have more mm. followers than everyone else. What is it that they are doing wrong is the question they were asking, which meant that they're not being considered when people who oh, yeah. are doing the exact same thing on a smaller scale are getting scoops and reviews. Oh, yeah, is, that Got, is a valid question. Yeah, yeah I agree. I yeah, agree. and that, 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 so, so that's why I was like, that, that's why it was being asked. I think, it, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't really get an answer either. They just no. sort of said we, we're just trying to get a, 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 a range, a no. mix of different different things. But yeah, no. I don't know. I don't know. Where are we? The next question was uh, other VTTs like World Twenty and stuff allow for more than just D and D Five E. You have other games. Does Wizards feel that their VTT can be competitive while only offering one game? <laughs> yes, because uh, no, yes. it's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, 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 we're pretty sure we're we're, yeah. we're quite competitive. Just offering the Dungeons and Dragons monolith, yeah, yeah. We, mm-hmm. we, we've been doing all right so far. Yeah. We do all right so far. Five percent growth. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah. Uh, uh, so they said we're in an interesting <laughs> position where we. I mean, they couldn't sort of say it like that, could they? Because that just sounds. We have over seventy percent of the market share. Okay. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll, we're we'll in an interesting position somehow. where we make the game that the VTT is for. Um, yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, they're not looking to bring any other RPGs into it, but who knows what the future will be in. It's a, just a non-committal answer. There's not much yeah. to say to that, yeah. is there? They're, they're not saying no, but I doubt it's at the forefront of their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the answer is we don't need other games. Yeah. But they're not going to yeah. say that. No. Because that just doesn't no. sound good. It's not a good soundbite, is it? They're, they're, they're trying to manage yeah. their PR, I expect. Yeah, oh, yeah well, exactly. Well, exactly. Well. Yeah, yeah. Imagine working in oh, PR yeah. for Wizards of the Coast at the moment now. What a stressful, <laughs> awful job that must be for this God. 2023. Anyway, sorry. Could be worse. You could work in PR for Twitter. Well, I'll probably get fired quite quickly, because apparently that's what happens there. Well, that's there. true, actually. Have they you, even got, you, they even got PR sacked. anymore now? I don't know. They, they've replaced you, and they set up an auto-reply of a poop emoji to any questions. So, yeah. Complete joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Uh, so there you go. Right. There are worse places yeah. to work. Was the, the next question was about consoles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next question consoles. was about consoles and accessibility. So they were talking about the, um, they started using Unity as the game, as the engine behind it. Yep. And they switched to Unreal 5. Yep. Um, because that enables them to do it on phones as well. And uh, they have high hopes what they can do between console, tablets, phones, and desktop. Lit. Hmm. I don't know much. I don't know much about that, if I'm honest. So I don't have strong opinions on. Yeah, there are no plans for it being played in a web browser. Um, wow. Yeah. They sort of said you have to weigh the benefits of web browsers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, it's going to be an app. It's going to be a standalone app of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the intended future path for sporting homebrew on D and D Beyond and VTT. So Ooh. that was covered in the earlier yeah. thing a bit. But here we go. So we haven't gotten there yet, but you want the VTT to be just an ecosystem. If you want, you can take your game into the VTT for just a single combat or the entire game. You might even use it at the physical table um, with one person controlling it in case one person is sick and calling in. But you're going to try to keep that integration with D&D Beyond because we know people have a lot of their homebrew characters in there. Mm. I'm not 100% sure that answered the question that was asked. But so I, um, I think they. it sounds like they agree that that's, a good, that's the goal to have, but I guess they don't have the solution yeah. yet. So they're just like, yeah, that sounds yeah. good. We're working yeah. on it is what that sounds yeah. like to me. Yeah. Which is fair enough mm. at this uh, stage. Mm. I mean, it's basically because there's no real distinction in a lot of people's minds between homebrew has in mm. changing rules and homebrew has in writing your own stories, which are not set in yeah. the forgotten realms. Some mm. people yeah. turn around and say to me with a straight face, 
that like you know it's homebrew to do anything that isn't like a Wizards of the Coast setting or official adventure. I'm like, oh, well, that is certainly an opinion. Anyway. Well, I don't think homebrew's got a definition, really, is it? It just means what you want it to mean. In the same way content creators. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, <laughs> are you looking into simplifying how the movement in the VTT works? I didn't feel it was as accessible as it could be. So this was presumably from someone who actually used the VTT demo at the live event. Okay. was a question. Um, and they yeah. didn't feel like the movement was particularly accessible. What do you okay. mean by... Th- what do you mean... Uh, what did they mean? Um, I don't okay. know. That's what they said. Uh, <laughs> the answer was yes. You start with a bit more complex at first, but then you start streamlining it so it can be done with one finger on a tablet, for example. Getting one control scheme right is hard enough, so we wanted to get one, get it right one way first, then make it easier for other play methods. So the takeaway I kind of get from that is they want to make you able to control the VTT in a variety of ways. Oh, fair enough. Okay. That's what it sounds All like. Right. Uh, yeah. The next question was whether the virtual tabletop integration would be flexible enough to work with other options like Black Flag and other RPGs or confined just to official D&D. People ask that. They're like, oh, are you going to include your biggest like, competitors in your product? level up or... <laughs> Do they ask? People ask that. That's wild. Oh, man, that's like straight up. The answer was... I think you can do anything manually. You can do anything you want with dice and minis, but not the animations because animation is expensive. That's fair. Then with time, we're going to have building blocks DMs can use for homebrew, and we'll see how that translates to other game options. That's so funny. Huh. I love that. People are like, so your competitor I mean, that's actively working against you, what features are you going to include in the game? game to- well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, to be honest, it's like the I hate Elvis badge thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. The what? If you if you get people playing, if people are uh, going to be playing Black Flag, yeah. would you rather they play it somewhere else, or at least get some of their money and get them to play it's it true. on your platform? I'm not gonna lie, like it look, it does look quite sweet. Uh, if they let me play Level Up using that system, I would be like, I'm listening. Mm. That that could persuade me to give them money again because yeah. I'm like, yeah, I I would quite like a bit more integrated support. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. really struggling to find it elsewhere. Yeah. Someone did ask me if we're mm. making a level up our own virtual tabletop, and I had to explain to them that we are not on the scale <laughs> of D&D. So I was like, uh, no, we're trying to get the tool site going and the character generator done, and that's kind of, that's mm. where we are. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay, the next one, the question was, question about equity, because one of the great things about TTRPGs is that it's a low threshold to play. You need dice, pencil, paper, a book. Mm. As technology increases, it becomes an equity issue for people. How are you going to address that? For example, will plain maps be available for free as opposed to the 3D maps? Yeah, but who's going to make the maps? Wild. Yeah. No, it's a, it's uh, a problem. No, I mean, it's going yeah. to be, it's, it's basically there are technology haves and have nots, and that is how a lot of it's going. The amount okay. of stuff the that answer, they, Oh, sorry, yeah. The answer was, <laughs> the answer was, uh, I tried to come in as a standard bearer for D&D, and I've been playing with the same people for years, and two of them have never spent a dollar in D&D, and they want them to be able to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, 2D is always going to be a great way to play, and they don't want to force 3D on anyone. Mm-hmm. So they want to make it cool so people want to use it, but aren't forced to use it, and they want people to play any way they want, with books, the VTT, whatever. Yeah. Okay. That was the answer to the yeah. question. But then someone did ask, will there be a fully 2D option in the VTT? And they kind of said they're not sure at this stage. I mean... They don't know if it is. It might be that, you know, for it to work best on a phone, it might, it might have to have a 2D view, for example. 
yeah, that that could help. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, just having it has a separate whole because I mean, you're just like doubling your workload for very minimal returns at that point. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, if you're just gonna do it all two D with all the animations or the graphic assets, mm-hmm. I don't know, use uh, Albert Rodeo or like Roll Twenty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so- mm-hmm. it'll just do it. Just do it. Or yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's quite a lot to go yet, so... Okay. Huh. Get yeah, to the good quite bit. A lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just going through it um, in order, basically. I'm just trying to be thorough. But, um, okay, uh, how do you want to... How do you handle low prep when it's like a, being a video game designer? That's the neat part, you don't. <laughs> I, yeah. I, so I guess what... Well, yeah. I guess they'd say, well, we'll have modules that they've pre-built, so... In the same yeah. way that if you don't want to sit and create mm. your world and do that, you can just buy an adventure path and that's less work. That's what they said. Yeah. 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 In, in, in other words. But I that know, is what that's because yeah. I that's, secretly yeah, yeah. work for Wizards of the Coast as well. So, yeah. Do you now? In their PR yeah. team. So, so that's the neat part you don't. You just stick to the module and mm. be grateful. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> be grateful. Uh, I don't think they said that. Shut up and be grateful. Damn content creators <laughs> questioning us. Anyway, sorry. So someone, so someone asked about monetization. Would it be subscription, microtransactions, free to play? How's that going to work? Good question. And they said um, they do have to think about monetization. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about it, discussing different options, um, but they don't know right now what they're going to do. Um, if they go with the greedy approach, it'll be loot boxes, monetization, microtransactions all the way. And if they've got, if they if they want people to actually not complain at them constantly, they will try and. Avoid that. Yeah. I think but a monthly what, subscription. You know what way they're going to go. I think a monthly subscription yeah. would be fair. I think that's reasonable yeah, to be possibly. like. They did say yeah. they don't want to charge money at the door just to try it out, though. No. They don't want to do that. I mean, that's not unusual. Like, have a cut down free version, and then if you want extra bills and bustles, you pay yeah, for it. Yeah, this is good. Same as Roll20. Yeah. yeah, this is going to be. Yeah, because it's going to be a lot of work to put in, so I understand that they're going to need people to pay for it. That seems really fair to mm. me. Yeah, like you said, Peter, yeah. a Roll20 similar model that you get the, the basic version for free. Mm. You get more stuff if you support them more. It's, like, I'm okay with that. It's like yeah, the... Yeah, seems fair. I mean, it, they, they did all right with the D&D Beyond stuff. I know, like, Rust isn't, wasn't into that, but, mm. like, you could buy, like, individual parts of it for, like, $3 or something, like yeah. a subclass, or, like, if you needed, like, mm. a species, you could grab that out. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Yeah. enough yeah. Pins, yeah. you got the rest of the book. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, fair enough. I mean, if they do that sort of, like, it feels fair pricing model, yeah. I think they'll do really well. And they will deserve to, because giving yeah. consumers a good break mm-hmm. is not something they've necessarily been great at. PDFs, for example, of rule books. Oh, sorry. I'll stop. Hmm. Uh, right, right, right. Bluetooth dice. Um, they could possibly do Bluetooth dice if people want what them. Do- so Bluetooth dice is when you roll a dice on uh, physical dice on a table, and it's represented on... The screen oh, for wow, the other that's players. A lot. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Sorry, Jessica. So these, these things, these things exist. These things exist. Uh, I How mean, would you describe fair, my face? You have captured my. Uh, well, not in general, but for that moment. Seen, I don't know if I've ever seen your impressed face, but that was definitely not your impressed face. <laughs> Do you not want Bluetooth dice, Jess? I, no, it's. Let's just let's, let's move on. What else do they say at the summit? <laughs> now we now move on to an inclusivity question. Oh, yeah, that's Topic moves on to inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So someone asked, I feel like the challenge of any game development has been inclusivity, including marginalised people in the development process. Yeah. 
uh, and by accessibility, yeah. LGBTQ folks, disabled folks, BIPOC folks, and so on. Yeah. And it's easier when that's tackled from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can they give more direct answers to what they're considering from the get-go or how those voices are being heard? Mm. Yeah. Are there any features um, like SIM4 due to direct community feedback now have a very robust skin range, skin tone range you can use for your SIMs? That's a good mm. question. Will all the yeah. assets be white? Yeah. Basically. I guess that is the question, yeah. yeah. So um, they said uh, what they're now looking at is character creation and they want people represented in character creation. Sometimes you're disappointed with games because it's not what you imagine. That doesn't work for D&D. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that, yeah, they basically said they want people represented in the character creation. Yeah. So I guess the answer to that was My yes. understanding of character creation was that they, they're making it like designing a mini, so kind of like how you would design it on Hero Forge, so a similar amount mm. of just customization so, yeah. and, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, the VTT basically has 3D version yeah, minis, Yeah, that's what they it? look like. And they yeah. look like minis as and well. And I imagine, yeah. did yeah. They, am I making this up? Or did they say they were thinking they, you could have a system where you make your mini in that and then you can get it printed a la Hero Forge style? Did I just make that I up? Know. I made that up. I, I imagine that's... I think you made it. I don't know. Any, that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for them as right. well because they could charge a lot for that. And yeah, yeah. Um, someone at Hero Forge is I like, mean, Jess, con- shut up. <laughs> um, content moderation is going to be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> mm. But that doesn't sound like a big problem. That sounds like a them problem. Anyway, Gosh, I hadn't even thought of that, Peter. You're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just think, what's the worst possible thing that someone could do yeah, because yeah, they will. They're online, <laughs> yeah. players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I suppose because D&D is like quite yeah. a family-friendly brand in a lot of ways. Like you have people mm. of all ages playing, especially online. So there would need to be that consideration as well. Oh, I hadn't even considered the... Uh, That's know, what I was thinking. Characters with boobies problems. Yeah, yeah. Characters with boobies problems. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Oh, yeah. Like they, there's so a big the, problem with it. So, yeah. God. So the director yeah. of inclusivity... Mm-hmm. Sort of continued. Um, he said, I don't think it's the sole responsibility of marginalized people to create inclusivity. Yeah. Yep. They have a, okay, I don't understand what this means. They have a diverse lighting approach where it's like the NFL roomy rule. The National Football League. What? Roomy oh, rule. I don't know what that means. Let me just. Yeah. I, I know nothing about. So the Rooney rule I... is an NFL policy that means teams yeah. have to interview ethnic minority candidates for head coaching or senior operation jobs. So it's right. an affirmative action thing. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so for every requisition they're hiring for, it's tied to executive performance. They have an entire inclusive review process for D&D, Magic the Gathering, Arena Marketing, etc. And they're paying market rates for consultants to look at things and advise. Okay. okay. I mean, yeah, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. Um, here we go. One of the issues in the past has been raised in the past is hiring on a high level. Usually high level roles require 15 plus years of experience, and that's difficult to get if you're not a white male. True. And they said, that's a great question. And they're looking at what's actually required to do the job and what's nice to have. So it's a question of reassessing. So it's finding people with the right experience for what's actually required and broadening the scope instead of an arbitrary number. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. yeah. And they ensuring they have diverse slates of interviewers as well. And that's a good point. Yeah. When we hire in publishing, whenever I write the job articles, I never put candidate requirements in. We always... If you, and if mm. you look at our job things, we tend to say, this is what we want you to do. And you'll need to be yeah. able to do mm. these things. And then it's up to you as a candidate yeah. to explain to me why you can do those things. And there's a million different ways. Yeah. You, you could you could come in and say, I can do this because I've got 15 years experience. You could come in and say, I can do this because I've got a degree in this. Or you could, you know, there's many ways that you could be able to do the thing. Mm. So I think defining yeah. 
how you can do the thing is is not as useful. Yeah. It limits the people. I picked up a magic ring and it magically granted me the ability to That's do this. That's how I got my job at Ian Publishing. Yes. Yeah. Your or- the origin story doesn't yes. matter. I, I did lose that uh, ring, so though, so that's the only issue we're having at the company. Uh, and what, you can no longer yeah, do it? I can't, oh, no. I can't do it anymore. You know, <laughs> Just having hard split now rather than rely on magic props. Oh, oh no. no. Anyway. Okay, cool. Get on with it. Right. So, the demo was on Alienware laptops. Yep. And they started talking about specs and whether this is going to tank people's machines, especially if they're streaming with OBS and oh, Zoom and oh. captions and all this sort of stuff going on. Yes. Oh, 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 wow. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, they couldn't really answer that. Nope. Um, they know. they're not at the stage where they're locked down on content sure. yet. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks but like they, they, this like is, these are questions. In yeah, two yeah. years, they can answer them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're going to be aware of it. Um, Mm. We'll, we'll have to see what the state of the art is in a couple of years' time. Yeah. 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 Here we go. Cultural consultants are often used to shelter from criticism. What about promoting or hiring marginalised people into decision-making roles? Yeah. They answered, when it comes to consultants, we want to hire the best people for the job. Yeah. A great game designer is not a culture expert. Uh. So they're always paying attention to questions in their workforce, pay equity, and so on. And they want to create a workforce and a workplace or a disabled person or a person of colour can create and never talk about their background if they don't want to. And they want to make sure they're engaging with experts. Okay. And then, when you purchase a book, will there be inclusion in the price of the VTT maps and stuff? Good question. Mm, Good question. Um, They want it to be transferable, but aren't sure how it will work yet, basically. Yeah, Mm. because I imagine if you bought a book off the D&D Beyond site, it could that could be done easily, but I don't know how you would do that if somebody has bought a book from like their local game shop. How would you mm. do that? I don't know. I'm Very asking tricky. you, Russ, I mean, if you specifically need to come up with the oh, answer. Oh, I do know. Okay. Well, in that case, well, I guess every single one of them, every single book would have to have its own code, wouldn't it? But then you can't do that on a massive just... print run. That's, I know. Like... I know. Yeah. Unless it's stickers, stickers that you put. But on then them. a person has to sit there and do the stickers and the pre- yes, like yeah. just someone that does yeah. the logistics and manufacturing side of these things. I'm like, oh, yeah, because we've yeah. had we've had uh, this. For, for listeners at home, Jessica is slowly turning red and clutching her head as she contemplates the absolute horror of this idea. Well, we- <laughs> and to be fair. I don't blame her. That she she is right. It is a terrible plan. Yeah, it is a terrible. We have the thing. We we give you if you order from our web store, you get a free PDF whenever you buy the book. Yeah. And we want to do that yeah. for anyone that buys our books anyway. But that's so logistically difficult to do. Yes. Yeah. Well, generally we we operate at a volume where just send us a copy of your receipt and we'll do it. Manually. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine. Works. And that's but yeah, no. Stuff, <laughs> they would no, they no, would yeah. need like a, a team of fifty people. That's their entire job. Just saying, you bought it. Yeah. Have a thing. Yeah. yeah, so absolutely not. No. Yeah. All right, so that was that. Then it was a break, and then there was a general Q&A. Yep. This is going on, this isn't This is it? going on. I think maybe we should get to summary stage. God, we, we've got two more sections yet. The general Q&A, and then the 2024 core book revisions, and then more Q&A. Do we want to do a sum like can you do a summary instead of going through it is that possible okay not no, really okay, okay. Not really. Maybe, how about we okay. split it and do half next week okay how That's does that fine. sound because i think there's there's a lot yes, to go okay. yet yeah yeah should we do okay. that yeah. so next week we will be doing a general q and a yes we will be doing the future of D&D, as in the 2024 revisions the one D mm. stuff yep and 
Yes, and some more general Q and A. So that we that we. But if if yeah. people cannot wait a whole week, they can read about it on enworld.org. You can read so it already. It's, on, yes. yeah, yeah, it's been up there as it was happening, and you can read it now if you. But yeah. we've been talking a long time. Right then. Well, in that case, just call it for today. Woo! You go off and enjoy your bank holidays. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I've just paged and it's got an autoplay video on it. Rude. That's cloudy. Stop. I, th- I can't even work out how to stop it. That is rude. It's Reggae Jean Page talking about something. <laughs> okay. You can mute the site. If you just go to the search bar at the top and just right-click, there should be a mute site. I'm not. I'm in Firefox. Okay. Well, then I don't know what you can do. You're just going to have to die listening to that uh, video.